This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 110 for Thursday, October 6, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter II's Freds of Fury. The artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music on ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right, there's a lot of stuff going on with that that I got. There's a lot of things going on, and um, I don't know. Where do I uh, – I, I guess I want to start with um, the housekeeping. There's so many things going on I'd like to go through with you guys, some more – not to say more serious than others, but uh, there's some announcements I got to make. There's a couple of things that need to be discussed. I'd like to also discuss Comic Con, which needs to be discussed in great detail, and a couple of other things. So I'm going to just start with housekeeping first. We're going to make our an announcement at 11:30 with with all of you guys regarding our community gaming event, and I expect to be joined by some of the people that will be working with us for that event and you'll be able to uh, get all the details at around 11.30. I will also be doing a post about the event shortly thereafter the show is finished, and you'll get further details there as well. I want to start with the forums first. I want to start talking about that. Um, The forums have been very quiet. I've purged a lot of inactive accounts, and... As such, I've noticed that with Twitter and Facebook and the instant gratification that's involved, um, the forum model is really on its way out. And as such, I am going to, for the time being, we're going we're gonna to monitor the forums, but I have a feeling that come probably before the end of the year, we will be doing away with the forums, not because, um, not because I have trouble moderating it or any of that. I just have issue with, it's it's a two side it's a two sided approach. Basically, I have to generate conversation. Members have to add to the conversation or create their own, which is fine. But what I've noticed is that there there's a, a core group of listeners and 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 fans that discuss a lot of stuff on the forums, and we've opened the forums up to a point where it, it's pretty it's pretty free flowing, but it's just not where it needs to be. Um, especially with 1,500-plus fans, uh, almost 1,000 followers on Twitter, it it becomes uh, a question of, is it really necessary for the brand? So with that, we're going to keep things around and probably we'll close out the year with the forums and seeing if there's any any changes. 
And effective January, if they don't improve, then I will be giving the forums the boot, which, like I said, it's just a, an evolution of the medium. Our Facebook fan page, we are, I think, at about 1557 right now, which is which is great. Real close to, to 1600, which is nice. 2000 will be even better. I am, of course, wanting to extend our warmest welcomes to all our new fans. So many that uh, have actually been liking stuff and commenting on stuff and following us on Twitter. It's it's really great to see that the Facebook model has helped for that. I actually got a notification from Facebook because I had contemplated moving the forums to the fan page that Facebook was going to be doing away with their discussion tabs for fan pages as well. They want all conversation kept on the walls, which, you know, it's fine. So that's going to that that's probably going to meet a swift end within the next couple of weeks. I also got word that the MySpace forums are also getting the can. So it just looks like the, like the overall evolution of the forum model is on its way out, which is sad only because there there's a um not to say that there's a a level of communication that's more real in the forums. I just feel that certain things that you can't broach on a Facebook wall are more fitting on on forums. You know, if you want to talk about something ultraviolent or something that involves nudity or something that involves just just subject matter that's a lot more uh, subject to scrutiny, I don't feel that the Facebook walls are appropriate for that sort of thing only because it's it's a public platform and you are at the mercy of Facebook. And any person who may have issue with any aspects of that discussion can report you, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But like I said, this is where the model is going, and we are trying to stay current with the time. So come January, the forums may meet a grisly end. My Take Radio has been now available for, I'd say, almost a month on Stitcher, and our relationship with them has been really good. We've gotten great feedback, tremendous numbers from them. There's a lot of people that are actually listing us as favorites. I'm very happy for that. And I just wanted to let you know that Stitcher is actually giving people a hundred bucks for using the Stitcher app and listening to My Take Radio. All you got to do is go to Stitcher.com/slash/MyTake and enter the promo code MyTake M Y T A K E, and you'll be eligible to get a one hundred dollar gift card courtesy of MTR and Stitcher. Stitcher is a great alternative to those that don't have iOS devices and can't get our app or don't want to get our app only because it allows you to use the Stitcher app to stream content directly to your devices. No more putting MP3s on your phone. No more plugging into iTunes. You can use the Stitcher app, and it will stream the newest episodes directly to your device. You can get that, like I said, at stitcher.com slash mytake. And Stitcher is not only available for iOS and Android devices, but also for WebOS and BlackBerry devices as well. And... The the cool thing that I actually have liked about using Stitcher as of late is that if you got your mobile phone and you plug your you plug it into your car, you can play the shows right through your car stereo, which is just another way to get the show out there. You can also do it with the app on the iPhone and the Android device. In case you are listening to the show during your drive, you'll be able to uh, pump it out through your stereo as well. Our Get Glue check-ins are at about, I believe, 80, 81 check-ins so far. Really, really great turnout for Get Glue. Um, the stickers 
are still in the process of being finalized. I believe there's some issues with the way they're supposed to be laid out and some color issues. But but once we got that set up, I'll let you guys know the requirements so you can get your very own MTR stickers. The MTR Spreadshirt store is launched also. You can actually visit the store right from the Facebook fan page. Just go to the Spreadshirt store on the left-hand side of the page. You'll see some of the shirts we got there with some of the designs. We're going to be adding more designs and more products in the near future, so you guys can expect um, a well-rounded selection of, sweats, of sweatshirts, T-shirts, hoodies, et cetera, et cetera, you know, all, all the typical swag but with MTR logos and a couple of other little things that we're working on that we're going to be adding to some of that merchandise as well. We also launched our Amazon affiliate store, which is um, in partnership with Amazon. Any products that we discuss on the show, in our reviews, and in any of our exclusive content like My Take Radio TV or Behind and Beyond the Mic, those items will be listed in the Amazon affiliate store. You'll be able to shop right from the My Take Radio page pick whatever item you want, and everything else will be handled by Amazon. Not only is it a great way to get some of the, the great stuff that we talk about, but you'll also get the opportunity to help the show as well. This week, we have no guests. We are running the show completely just me, um, not because I need to decompress, but only because I missed a lot of stuff last week that we got to get into, and in addition to that, Next week's show will not be live on Thursday. We will be broadcasting Wednesday because Thursday is the first day of the New York Comic Con. So we're going to be there uh, probably all all four days or maybe three or four days, depending. Um, if you are attending, you're more than welcome to look us up if you know us personally. And if you don't, we will make sure to have ways for you to find us. Um, it's going to be myself, Slick, my fiance Andrea, Josh, uh, Bronx is also going to be there, who's one of our contributing writers as well. And also a lot of the people that we've talked to locally are going to be there, guys from Big, Big Kev's Geek Stuff, from Sirius XM, uh, Gamer Fit Nation. So we're, you're going to see a lot of crazy stuff from us. It, it will be content overload, I'm letting you know now, uh, between Facebook, the site. Um, there may be some audio interviews I'm going to try and get out, depending on how things go, plus video which you'll be able to see on our YouTube channel, which um, needs more content. I know um, I got an email a couple of days back from a guy who I spoke to on Twitter, and he was telling me why haven't I started doing more stuff on YouTube. And I had to tell him, like I've told you guys, it's just being in front of the camera. I am not used to it. I can be behind this microphone for three hours talking shit to you guys, but the minute I get in front of a camera, I turn into a, comp a complete pile of shit. So... We will give you content for MTR TV, I promise. We got some new articles up. We got some stuff from Slick. Um, we got the third recap from Archer, from Archer and Hearts of Archness. Uh, we also got content from Andrea. We got stuff from our new writer, Ben. In addition, I got a new feature that's been running called 31 Days of Horror. Not a countdown per se, just acknowledging some of the great horror movies that we've seen um, there already, I've added a couple of movies, Slick added one as well. Uh, some other, some, uh, some of our other staff will probably throw a couple of movies on there and it's going to be one movie a day all the way up until Halloween. Like I said, it's not a countdown. If a movie gets left off or whatever, don't take it personally. 
because I already had a couple of people like, hey, man, why didn't you put Halloween on there or Nightmare on Elm Street? And I'm like, look, we'll get to them. They may or may not be there, but it's not a countdown. Lastly, to close things up on the housekeeping side of things, our MTR Beyond the Mic was recently updated with an episode with Mike Kingston. He is the creator and author of the Headlocked comic. Uh, Headlocked is a comic book that takes place in the world of professional wrestling, and it's actually very, very well done. It's been embraced by the wrestling community. Some of the artwork that's there has been done by a lot of great artists that are household names and other uh, in other um, publishers, Marvel, DC, Image. In addition to that, you also got uh, Jerry Lawler involved with it. He's drawn some of the covers and some of the art, and he actively works on the project with Mike. But if you want to learn more about Mike and the Headlocked comic, I recommend you check out MTR Beyond the Mic. You can get that exclusively on the Stitcher app and also on the My Take Radio app. So be on the lookout for that. It's already out there. I think it's been out there for the last week or so. If you want to check out Headlocked, you can go to headlockedcomic.com. You'll be able to buy issues there for a dollar and also learn a little bit more about some of the characters in the stories. That's going to wrap it up, folks, on the housekeeping side of things. Let's get into the rundown of some of tonight's topics. We're going to talk about the UFC on Versus. We're going to talk about WWE's Hell in the Cell. We're going to talk Monday Night Raw. we got some WWE wellness issues plus some departures. In addition to that, we also have uh, some what-the-fuck movie news, um, a couple of gaming tidbits that should be of interest to some of you. The gaming news have been not as sporadic as they were towards the end of the summer, but definitely not as as plentiful as well. But I have a feeling that after Comic-Con and closer to the holiday season, you guys are going to see a lot of really great stories coming out. Let's get into this opening monologue because this monologue is is personal, but it's not at the same time. It's a little bit of both, and I'm kind of giving you guys a glimpse into me just off air like as, a, as an individual and I really wanted to talk about Steve Jobs passing. Steve Jobs, of course, um, CEO of Apple, passed away yesterday at 56. I believe it was 56. He was uh, battling pancreatic cancer for a long time. And um, funny thing about funny thing about his passing was that in watching the Apple announcement for the iPhone 4s and some of the other devices, it, you really asked yourself. What? Why wasn't Apple delivering more? It could have just been that that they wanted to give you guys the 4s, but the presentation something seemed to be missing, and I have a feeling that these guys already knew that Steve that Steve Jobs was on his way out. Um, they may have known. They they probably didn't know when, but they probably knew it was soon. Especially uh, Tim Cook and some of the real close Apple brain trust. So. Seeing that and seeing the way that presentation went and then him passing away was just uh, definitely a hard week for Apple. Of course, when the iPhone 4S was launched, you know, the stock went down a little bit and a lot of people bitched and moaned and complained, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I'll be honest with you before I even get into the whole Steve Jobs situation, I'm, you know, I'm going to go a little bit into the tech side of things. I used to be an iPhone owner. I you I owned the original iPhone pretty much from when it came out through I'd say at least four years and used it on T Mobile because that's my carrier. And I really enjoyed the phone. I enjoyed the functionality of the phone. I was just always eternally frustrated at using a crippled phone 
on my longtime carrier. And before any of you guys say, oh, you could have switched to AT&T, et cetera, et cetera, I've been with T-Mobile since they were fucking Omnipoint. I have a grandfathered contract. I get whatever I need, whatever I want, and my phone works. So I really don't have any desire to rock the boat. Anyway, I gave the iPhone the boot, and I decided to switch to an Android device, which, you know, as as of, I'm on my third Android phone right now, and I've really enjoyed working with the Android platform. I still use Apple with my iPad and my iPod, but from a mobile standpoint, I like the work that Android is doing. Anyway, people that saw the 4S announcement were quick to say, oh, well, you know, Apple's doing a placeholder, what happened to the iPhone 5, et cetera, et cetera. And the way I see it is you use your phone to make phone calls, get text messages, occasionally surf the web. Now you can listen to music on it and do a, a plethora of other things. What the fuck doesn't matter what number phone it is? If you already have an iPhone and you're happy with it, don't buy the new one. Obviously, the big the, the Siri voice-activated assistant was really huge and shows the progression of just technology and, and the mobile platform as a whole. But if you don't need it, don't get it. On the contrary, you can now get an iPhone 3GS for $49.99 or free on contract. You can get an iPhone 4 8 gig for $100. 100 bucks for an iPhone on contract. So people are, are bitching about expecting, you know, they wanted the iPhone 5. And I asked one of, a friend of mine, I said to him, he was like, dude, I'm, I'm pissed, fucking Apple. They didn't put out the iPhone 5. And I said to him, what exactly were you hoping for with an iPhone 5? What were you looking for exactly? Were you looking for a wider screen, a better camera? Because last time I checked, you're getting an 8-megapixel camera with the 4S, et cetera, et cetera, and, and better photography. I'm like, do you want better apps? Because the same apps will still be there. No, nah, man, but you know, you, you go and you watch this shit, and you give Apple all this money, and you expect them to deliver. And I, I, he couldn't give me a straight answer as to what exactly he wanted. What exactly did he want that would have been so revolutionary that would have made him automatically get rid of his perfectly good iPhone 4 and get at whatever new Apple device was released? And honestly, he didn't give me an, a, a, a solid answer. And I talked to two other people that I know that have iOS devices, and they're like, look, man, you know, I wanted the 5, and they couldn't tell me with a straight face what was it they wanted. I'll be 100% honest. I'll tell you. I want the only thing I wanted from a new iPhone was to be able to use it on my carrier. That was it. Turns out that Sprint gets it, Verizon has it, and AT&T has it. T-Mobile, redheaded stepchild isn't getting anything. Now, this could be for a couple of reasons. T-Mobile didn't want to pay the money, or Apple knows that AT&T's bound to to swallow T-Mobile whole, which unfortunately makes me an AT&T customer, but they can still suck a dick. But Besides the point, I just feel that the the amount of disdain for something so trivial as uh, a number on a phone is beyond me. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand the logic or the rationale where he and my two other friends were were so 
angry, you know, which leads into a whole other subject. But I just really wanted to voice that particular side of things in the monologue only because I really didn't understand the, the frustration from anybody. Me personally, I just wanted it to be on my carrier, whether it was the four, the four S, the four and a half, the four and three quarter. I didn't give a shit. I would have just liked to see an iOS device on my carrier. That's all. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. The, but I will get iOS 5, which is going to be the new software to go on my iPad, and there's a lot of great enhancements with that, which leads me into uh, Steve Jobs passing yesterday. And a lot of people ask me, you know, I, I felt bad for a couple of reasons, and, and this is where I get into, into the real world. Steve Jobs was an innovator, uh, a guy who didn't who didn't take no, he didn't let limits, uh, he didn't let limits really hinder him from get, achieving his goals. And De Silva, I had an iPhone unlocked and it was fucking crippled, so um, it didn't really work. But besides the point, going going back, I was just answering De Silva in the chat. You know, Steve Jobs. The guy was a visionary. He revolutionized so many different things. And before people come and they split hairs about, you know, this technology and that technology, when you bought an iPod, your first iPod, you gave a fuck about your music. Period. After the iPod, you got a thousand other MP3 players, iRiver, which I owned. I owned an iRiver. I owned, I think, an RCA shitty-ass MP3 player, et cetera, et cetera. The iPod was the cornerstone of that market. That led to other good products like the Zune, and, but the, the, the iPod was the cornerstone. The iPhone changed the game mobile, and et cetera. The way I look at it is that Apple products, regardless of, of your personal bias towards them, influenced a lot of things. And I've owned an Apple computer also, and I'll tell you guys, easy to use, works well, doesn't fuck up as much as Windows. I, I've never had to get the urge to drop it out a window. Simple as that. And I enjoy Apple products. I enjoy Windows products. I enjoy an Android products. But Steve Jobs passing was just the death of a guy who was a visionary, who really gave a shit about what he put out there. He'd go and he'd do these keynotes and he'd talk shit. He'd talk shit about other competitors. He'd talk shit about Bill Gates. He'd talk shit about Android. And you know what? You need that sort of an approach in business. You need an approach like that in business. You need an approach like that in life. You can't be a mindless follower. You, if you want to be a leader, you got to hurt people's feelings, period. That's how it works. Dana White is the same way. Love Dana White or hate him, the guy knows – how to build a brand, how to promote a brand, and how to make people give a fuck about the brand. Same thing with Apple. Now, two things, ha two things happened after I heard about his passing. I heard, you know, obviously a lot of jokes. There were a lot of jokes, which, look, I'm a foul motherfucker. 100% foul. I, I, I say terrible things. I, uh, I push kids that I, – I push annoying kids out of the way in Target. I trip annoying kids. Um, I yell at old ladies while I'm driving. I, I, I can be a real asshole. But every, everybody, from the biggest asshole to the smallest, has a threshold. And 
for me, it was just the fact that so many people were quick to, to drop a line and drop a joke about the guy's passing, which, again, everybody takes shit differently. I just didn't ap- appreciate people making life of uh, people making light of, of a guy dying. I mean, there were, you know, there, there were your basic one-liners like, oh, a new app launched today called I Died, which, again, very tasteless. And I, I, I saw it on my Facebook timeline. I saw it on Twitter. I just got off of Twitter for a bit, hid some people on my timeline for, for the duration of the day. And the reason is because I admired Steve Jobs for what he accomplished, but I also admired him because he went through shit that I went through. And and this is where I get into the real shit. I'll get right into the real shit. Steve Jobs was uh, his parent. He was you know his parents had him and they gave him away. And Steve Jobs was adopted. And guess what? So was I. I was given away. Not once. Not twice. Not three times. Not four. Not five. But a record six times. I was given to six different people and brought back until I was given to the person who raised me and made me the crude, vile son of a bitch that you guys listen to every week. And he took the he took what was given to him, he grew with it, and he went out there, he tried to he found his birth parents and his his sister who he ended up becoming really close with and he went on to change the game as we know it. I took a similar path, you know, after my mother died, I decided, eh, hey, let me go and find out who I am biologically. So I went, I did a little research, started finding some siblings, there were some brothers, some sisters, my own nephew, who I talk about. So that's the way the kinship isn't just this guy made a lot of great shit that I bought. The kinship was that the guy experienced something that I also experienced. And he grew from it and became better. And Honestly, that's that's what I try to do every week, become better, try to repay the debt that that I guess you know that my my adoptive parents gave me. You know, I mean, I guess I, I look at it like that. So that's the that's the whole reason why I wanted to share this monologue with you guys. Not just because I'm a voice behind a microphone and because you know I can drop the occasional f bomb and do some crazy shit, but because sometimes the, those that you admire, you share more than just an admiration based on their accomplishments. It's based on what they've done. And that's, that's pretty much it. You know, I, I felt the kinship with what the guy did, but I also felt the kinship with how he got there. And I just wanted to share that with you guys. And for some of you, you're going to be like, holy shit, you know, I never knew that, but this is the whole point. Sometimes I come on here and I do something a little therapeutic and I'm sure some of you are going to be like, yo, why'd you have to get all real and shit? But this is who I am. And certain people I can relate to because of similar experiences. Steve Jobs was one of them. Simple as that. All right. I'm going to take a commercial break. We're going to actually, we should be getting into MMA, but I'm probably going to be doing an announcement at 1130, which is in approximately three minutes with Josh from MMA Valor, uh, Steve from Unveil. I was also supposed to be joined by Jason from Middle Easy. Unfortunately, he cannot join us this evening. But um, he is, uh, Middle Easy is going to be part of what we're doing. So even though Jason's not here, he is here in, in spirit. And I'm sure 
on Twitter. He will help clarify a couple of things regarding the event if any of you have any questions. So you know what? I'm going to take a commercial break. When we get back, we probably will make our announcement. We probably will talk some MMA right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in like really high voices like... (laughs) Well, you won't listen to that on our show because we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. We're broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter... Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. I may as well hit the tough theme, and when these guys call in, we'll just make our announcement, talk a little bit about it, and jump right back into the MMA stuff. So let's hit that tough music, shall we? All right. Now, the funny thing with Tough this week was that I I expected more this episode. Maybe maybe it's just me, but um I I really felt that something was missing. I don't think it was a terrible episode, but I've learned that with with The Ultimate Fighter, it comes in in spurts where you have you know, you have really good drama, then you have really good storytelling. In this particular instance, you know, show opens up with mayhem in there and some of the pranks start, which, which is good. You know, mayhem, mayhem's tires getting taken off his car, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, they started going into the pranks at the house, which they were what they were, but, there's definitely some lines that are starting to get blurred, which can end up with somebody's ass getting sent home. And um, I really didn't think that I, – I, I don't know. Maybe it was the way the episode was edited. I didn't really see them delivering any sort of a uh, a super solid opening for this episode. I think they really wanted to start throwing the pranks in there and – and all that shit, which is fine, but the fight itself, though, was very competitive with uh, Johnny Bedford and Josh Ferguson, very competitive, first round looked really good, Bedford looked solid, uh, keeping Ferguson against the fence, trying to get a, uh, trying to get, he almost got caught with a standing guillotine, but Bedford ate a couple of strikes, took Ferguson to the ground, really solid work from Bedford. In the second round, we had some trading back and forth, but you can see that Ferguson was really trying to to, to go full steam with the guillotine. He tried it on, on two occasions, and he really gassed himself out. Ferguson look, looked really good, though. He looked great, but Bedford looked better, and as such, Bedford secured the victory via unanimous decision. Um, when they closed out the show, Bedford seemed a little disappointed, which is to is to be seen, uh, is to be understood. But um, 
the lost by unanimous decision statement definitely for me I felt they both looked competitive, but Bedford he kind of phoned it in. I think he was playing it safe, which is something that when you see those first the, that first episode, you really don't expect to see again because these guys are working at such a fast pace. It almost feels like they, I don't know. I guess he he played it safe, and it what it is what it is. But they they ended up teasing a mole, which turns out to be Dodson. Um, people bitching about Bisping, which whatever it is what it is. But Team Miller seems to be the, the, the more dominant team right now. They, they're doing their thing. Uh, Miller is John Dobson, Caraway, Johnny Bedford, Dustin Pegg, Roland DeLorme, Dennis Bermudez, Justin Neese, and Steven Seiler. Team Bisping uh, was Lewis, Marcus uh, Drimmage, TJ Dillashaw, John Albert, Josh Ferguson, Diego Brandao, um, Akira Corasani, and Steven Bass. Um, so far, Bisping is down two fights. And I'm really hoping they step it up. I don't, I'm not going to say that they're losing me as a viewer, but I just felt that they came out guns blazing, and then they kind of they scaled it back a bit and decided to go with the jokes and all the pranks and shit. So take it for what it's worth. Me, personally, I really wasn't 100% impressed with that. In other news, we had the, uh, we had the UFC on Versus, this past weekend, and man, oh man, was that an awesome card from start to finish. I was not only impressed with the quality of the fights, but I was impressed with the performances, with the performances that were that just went down in, in, in some of these fights. I was very shocked, and I'll go into non-televised te- territory with this, with Michael Johnson and Paul Sass. Michael Johnson, of course, was coming out of The Ultimate Fighter, uh, Paul Sass, 11-0, and and that 11-0 and is warranted. He came in there. He ran through Michael Johnson. He ended up catching him with a heel hook in the first round. Um, Paul Sass, that would be now his third consecutive heel hook submission. I was shocked that Michael Johnson went down so quickly only because this is a guy that's known for being extremely athletic and was an Ultimate Fighter veteran, and he just got finished really quick. I, I, was, I was shocked. I, I stood there. For, for a minute or two just stunned at the way that went down only because I expected more from Michael Johnson. I was also very impressed with Eve Edwards in his performance against Rafael Oliveira. Eve Edwards took that fight as a birthday present with uh, TKO victory in round two. Thug Jitsu was doing its thing. Um, Eve Edwards, I've always loved watching him fight. He's, he's very exciting in whatever promotion he's in. I've always felt that he just needs that one or two breakout performances, well, the one or two breakout performances that will help him move further into the rankings. I think that he has the potential to be in title contention, even though he's a veteran and a lot of people are going to say, yeah, you know, his time, his, time has come and, his time has come and gone. I beg to differ. I think he's got a ton of great experience. He's uh, well-versed in, in, in multiple disciplines. And not only that, he's just an exciting fighter to watch. Let's get into the main card. Matt Danzig and Matt Wyman was a very, very closely contested fight. Super impressed with both with both guys. And I'll be honest with you, I never really thought a lot of Matt Wyman. I for a couple of reasons. I just I just there's certain people you watch and you're just like, yo, I don't like that dude. You can never put your finger on it, but you just don't like that particular fighter. 
Matt Wyman fell into that category, but he definitely swayed me a little bit with his great performance against Mac Danzig. Mac Danzig is phenomenal. He's always a, a great guy to watch. He's another guy who's always been on the cusp of 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 greatness, and then he gets into a slump with a couple of losses, but he gets right back into it. Matt Wyman secured the victory via unanimous decision, but again, just phenomenal pace from start to finish. There was a lot of great elbow work from Wyman. He worked those elbows a lot in this particular fight. I was very impressed with that. I was impressed with the way the elbows um, were so offensive in the in that fight. They were because usually the elbows come in and you're working them more from a ground and pound position, uh, usually to to break down a fighter. But to see them being used so much standing was definitely a treat. Just to see that because as, as a somebody who enjoys watching the fight game, you get to see certain aspects of it that are very underutilized. Like, I, even though people bitch about ground fighting, I like to see people work from the rubber guard. Uh, the rubber guard is a very, uh, very interesting guard to use, not only because of the way it's laid out, but because of the setups that I've seen people use to secure victories with. Things like that, just little nuances, the, the rubber guard, uh, the close tie clinch. Tie clinch has become something that's more prevalent now, but a good tie clinch, especially from a from a solid Muay Thai practitioner, is almost going to guarantee that somebody's going to get some sort of facial reconstructive surgery, and it adds that that blood sport kickboxer vibe to certain fights, which you always like to see, but that I feel is severely underutilized. But rubber guard, even the suplex. The suplex is starting to become something where, yeah, it's a wrestling move, but you're seeing more and more fighters use it. Um, we got to see it in the main event for the UFC on versus. John Jones, of course, is known for that. Uh, Rampage is known for his suplexes, but, but, but just German suplexes are something where, that you don't see in the cage, but that are definitely uh, valuable, to, valuable in the octagon. That's for damn sure. Let's get into the next fight. Anthony Johnson and Charlie Brenneman. Anthony Johnson came in ready to make a statement. He's gotten a lot of shit because of his smothering offense that he used on Dan Hardy. And he came in there. He secured the TKO in the first round. Now, the stoppage was questionable. Some people are saying that Brenneman got knocked down and he wasn't KO'd. But I just feel that the stoppage from, from a safety standpoint may have been warranted because he, that, that guy took a, shid direct, a shin directly to the face. I think that had he not, had they not stopped the fight, Johnson would have jumped in anyway and used ground and pound and secured the victory. But there's always going to be a sketchy stoppage or two, but Johnson went in there to make a statement. I actually like watching Rumble Johnson fight. He, he's very, very active, very athletic. The, the Dan Hardy fight definitely got under my skin a little bit just because a lot of people shit on, on the grappling aspect of mixed martial arts, but a win's a win. And not only that, but he knew that standing Hardy had the potential to really put him to sleep from the ground, from the ground standpoint, Hardy's ground game is good, but it's not great. Johnson has, you know, world-class wrestling, a world-class wrestling pedigree in there that he used to impose his will. I think that Johnson is just evolving as a fighter and learning how to alter his styles depending on who he fights. And that's just the evolution of the sport in general. Anybody that bitches about smother and cover is just 
guys using it to their advantage to secure victories. People want to get paid. Mortgages got to get paid. Promoters got to get paid. Trainers got to get paid. So why are you going to sit there and put yourself out there to the point where you're going to risk losing money? It's as easy as that. Bills got to be paid, and fuck that. I will, I will smother the fuck out of somebody to get a victory. I don't give a shit. If I got to go in there and knock somebody out, if, if, I, if I were in that predicament, I would do that. But I would use all the tools available to me. It's called mixed martial arts for a reason. Now, the co-main event, super pumped for just because there was a lot of hype for it on Twitter. There was a lot of back and forth, just lighthearted banter to sell the fight. And that's the fight between Pat Barry and Stefan Struve. Huge Pat Barry fan, hyper die all the way. Guy has a nasty, nasty kick, nasty kick on on a Merco Crow Cop level of viciousness. Pat Barry, Pat Barry in, in this fight with Stefan Struve. Stefan Struve was a foot taller than Pat Barry, a complete foot. It was insane, and Struve had a nine and a half inch reach advantage. Now the funny thing is that you would have expected Struve to come in and steamroll Barry, but there was a really good exchange in the first round, just a, a great feeling out process, leg kicks. Uh, Pat Barry definitely was working the leg kicks. I said that he, when they asked who I'd pick for this fight, I said Barry, and I said that he was going to chop Struve down and then secure the KO. And I didn't fare so well, only because in the second round, they ended up taking the fight to the ground and... Stefan Struve had Barry in a triangle, at which point Barry picked Struve up. Mind you, Barry is 5'11". He picked up the substantially taller Stefan Struve and powerbombed him into the cage. Now, wishful thinking would have been that we would have got a Rampage-style KO out of the deal. Unfortunately, that wasn't the case. On the contrary, when Struve hit the mat, he ended up locking the triangle in tighter and securing the submission victory. I was bummed at the way it went, but I was excited at the, at the way the fight went down. I really wanted Barry to win. Struve is evolving. He's, you know, he's got that Dutch Muay Thai style. He's got some submissions in him. He's got the height advantage. I think a couple of fights under his belt maybe he needs to get a little more meat on him just because I feel he's kind of coat rackish would definitely push him into that upper echelon of dominant heavyweights. So I'm going to be watching how he, how he does with much interest. I didn't like him because I always felt he was a little cocky and a little, a little, um, how do you put it? He was a little cocky and substantially, substantially arrogant, which is fine. But the worst part of it is that he, he really had the tools to get the job done. So I get as much as I want to say that it's all bullshit and uh, fuck him. I, I, hey, I got to eat my words. Pat Barry lost, and he didn't even lose by KO. He got choked out, which was insane. All right. Main event time. Now, the main event, I expected it to be fast, fast, and very fast. Dominic Cruz versus Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson for the UFC Bantamweight Championship. These guys got to a point where they were moving so quick that I had to actually slow it down in slow-mo on my DVR because both guys worked an incredible pace, incredible. The only issue was I felt that Dominic Cruz, since he has that real 
And he, he's a guy that has a real elusive and, and footwork, and he has a really intriguing style. You watch his footwork, you watch the way he comes in and the angles he throws his punches, you'll really ask yourself, where the fuck did he learn how to fight like that? But that's just somebody learning how to use their strengths and you know manipulating their skills to benefit their body type and their ability. And Dominic Cruz has done that. I think Johnson at 5'3 looked really good in that fight. He was very competitive. He took it to Cruz. He worked the pace. But unfortunately, Cruz used his size and strength advantage on Johnson a lot. He used a lot of wrestling, delivered two beautiful German suplexes on, on Mighty Mouse, and secured the victory via unanimous decision. I, I'll tell you this much. Mighty Mouse not only showed that the height advantage was not going to be the factor, but he showed that speed and just excellent conditioning and heart are the tools you need sometimes in the cage. Some guys come in and they rely on pure athletic ability and no heart. And Mighty Mouse, even in defeat, the, the guy showed tremendous heart. He looked fantastic in the fight. I was super impressed. Um... Wow, I just realized it's 11.45. I think Josh is supposed to call in, and I'm waiting for Steven from Unveil to call in as well. Um, I, was, I was just impressed with Mighty Mouse. He was really, really active in the fight, great conditioning. He didn't even look winded. There were moments when I saw Cruz look a little winded, which was crazy because for a guy who has such excellent conditioning and he's so fast, it's, uh, it's a shocker to see him... Um, break up, um, not break up on, in terms of breaking up from a cardio standpoint, but just the fact that he got pushed to a, to a limit by a guy who's smaller and smaller in stature and smaller in body type than him. So very impressed, and I wouldn't doubt that Mighty Mouse will get the belt in the near future. Some people were asking if if he may jump up and wait in weight and go up to another weight division. I think Mighty Mouse is great where he is. He has the potential to deliver more exciting fights. And um, overall, the card was spectacular. Free TV on versus. Can't knock it. You can't. Any, any way you try to knock it, you can't. Because it was free MMA. The fight's delivered. So props to the UFC for, a, uh, for that. Because uh, all I got to say... With with all the programming that they're doing on Versus and now Fox, the um, the UFC has secured themselves multiple viewership opportunities just with their free cards. That's not even going into pay-per-view territory, but just on their free cards because I know people that have never watched MMA, never watched it. And then they'll hear the show or I'll talk to them and they'll be like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'll be like, oh, I'm watching the fights. And they'll be like, oh, is it on pay-per-view? And they're like, nope, not on pay-per-view. And then, you know, they end up coming to me the next day like, hey, I saw the fights on Showtime or, hey, I saw it on Versus or on Spike TV. Yo, those dudes, it's not like I remember it. So it's always nice to hear that. I, I like hearing that from, from new fans that remember the glory days of the UFC with, uh, you know, Hoist Gracie and Ken Shamrock and all that crazy shit. And the fact that they can appreciate it for what it is now, just a pure force of combat. I am, oh, I was just informed that Josh is on the line. There's a couple of reasons that 
Yes, thank you, Strider. Strider reminded me about Tank Abbott, which how can I forget? Tank Abbott is uh, the man. He's a psycho. He's a psycho and a lunatic, but he was always exciting to watch. He also was in WCW with fucking three count, but that's a story for another day. Josh, what's going on, brother? What's up, man? All right. I was supposed to. I was supposed to have. Uh, the, uh, our partners from Unveil here, I don't know where the fuck they are, and as I am talking to you, I am trying to text them because uh, <laughs> I really wanted to make this announcement with all of you guys, but while I have you on the air, I, I'll take the opportunity and let the listeners know that you now have the MMA Pulse on Blog Talk Radio, so can you just let the guys know where they can listen to the Pulse and... Um, what you're covering and just a little bit of background about it since you've changed the format a bit. Yeah, I mean we we went from the the podcast format to the live format and we're on Wednesdays at 10 p.m. so that would be a Pacific time and basically the format's just we just take the topics of of the week, you know, whatever is is the pressing issue or interesting topic and it's just a really quick 30-minute show where we just you know, hit one or two topics and, and break it down and, and have some fun. Have you have you enjoyed going going the thirty minute route now? I remember when we were doing when you were doing the other show there was a bit more uh there was a bit more length to it. Do you feel that the thirty minutes allows you to really just passionately deliver your views on, on one or two topics easily or is it becoming thirty minutes and you're trying to fit as much as you can in then thirty minutes? No, I mean Originally, when I did the when, when I started the podcast, I had really wanted it to just be like a thirty to forty five minute. And no one wants to hear me talk for an hour, an hour and a half. I mean, you get bored with me. So it, it it ended up growing. You know, Dan Rose was my host when we did the the podcast, and we ended up just trying to cram way too much stuff in there. So when I moved to the live. Um, you know, I, I think the first episode I did, I felt really crammed because uh, I was, you know, rambling on and I wasn't used to the whole 30 minutes. But now that, I mean, what, I, I did the third episode last night and, and it, it ran much smoother. And, you know, we, we talked about uh, the Kenny Florian and also the lightweight division. And, and we hit that, you know, pretty hard about, you know, 10, 12 minutes for each topic. And, and it seemed to work out really well, and and it, and it's just not drawn out like the the podcast was. Well, it's funny you mentioned our our good buddy um, Kenny Florian. I have my own thoughts on him, and the only thing I will tell you is I feel that that guy's jumped from division to division trying to find an easy way to the belt. Again, my personal opinion on right. the guy. The guy the guy fights good. Um, but this was a guy who, when he first started, he, he made sure to yell into a microphone that I finish fights. And um, he hasn't been doing a lot of finishing lately. On the contrary, he's been, you know, I'm going to go down to 145. I'm going to go down to 135. You know, that's what's next. Yeah. I'm going to go down to 125. Well, he, I mean, he's definitely chasing a belt now. Uh, you know, and he, but to me, he's getting... I mean, he's getting a little, you know, bashed a little bit, in my opinion, for, um, you know, not winning the belts. I mean, his only losses in, in the UFC have come in title fights or in an elimination fight of some sort. And they haven't been to any, you know, chumps or anything. So, it, you know, it, it just sucks that 
he hasn't been able to win it and that he's been branded, you know, I mean, Dana White's been calling him a choke artist. So it, it sucks for him in that regard. And I don't see him winning this, this fight. He's going to be now 0-3. Yeah, I'm sorry. Kenny Florian beating Jose Aldo, right? But then again, nah, it's just not gonna happen. Any, any any given any given day, it can you know something can happen. But but on paper, hell no. Yeah, no. I mean, he'll he'll lose this fight, and after that, he'll either have to you know he's gonna have to you know check and figure out what he wants to do because a belt's just not really in his future if he loses this. It's just not gonna happen. Well, well, I got I got I got to pose this question to you. Um if he loses, do you think he'll get cut? No. I don't think he'll get cut. I I think he'll um he'll get thrown down to the bottom of the barrel of whatever division he decides to fight in though. Now, all right. Now only because, you know, Dana White has his loyalists, you know, the Stephen Bonners, the Forrest Griffins. Yeah. Japan, Hulk, no, I mean, I, those guys so <laughs> I, I think that that Kenny Florian is the, maybe not a good chance, but I've heard a little rumblings about he might retire if he loses. I mean, I, I've I've read a little bit where it's been, you know, intimated and hinted about that. I don't know if his contract's up or not, but if he loses, I mean, what does he fight for next? There's really nothing for him to fight for. He he's not going to be fighting for a belt, so he's just. Does he fight just to pad his record? Yeah, I mean that, that there is a there is a point that where where something like that has to be put into question. But the way I see it, especially with a guy like Florian, is that if if you can't win it, then either get you know find a new training camp because sometimes that's what it is. You we we've discussed that before, where you know maybe you need to change the scenery, maybe you need to go to Holland. And, and train with those guys. Maybe you need to, you know, go to Thailand and train with those guys versus just being relegated to one camp. I could be wrong, but that's just a theory that, I, that I've come up with. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery to improve. It's like with BJ Penn. It's like if you have everybody waiting on you hand and foot, what kind of a training camp do you expect to have? Right. No, I agree. The, um... There was something else I had to ask you. I, you got to tell everybody about the the two shows that joined your network. Oh yeah, well, I mean we I brought over two shows that are, have been on Blog Talk for for quite some time actually. I mean I think they've each done forty five plus shows, but they had never really been affiliated with any website. So I brought them over. It's a uh, Pure Adrenaline Radio, which also has. Um, the verbal submission, and I just brought them over so that, you know, they have a, a website, and I've given them their own homepage and everything, and, and uh, you know, just we're just partnering up, really. I mean, it's I think it's a good deal for both of us. Um, one show is on Thursday at 3.30, and the verbal submission is on Sunday at 3.30. Um, that would also be Pacific time. Oh, okay. Nice. So you... You're going. You're going not just from doing your show now, but you're building a stable of shows that can kind of find their home on on MMAValor.com. Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I just started looking for shows that didn't have a home. You know, that they're just doing 
you know, good quality MMA shows and, and decided to approach them about coming over and, and giving them, you know, a place where they could, you know, advertise their, their show and, you know, what they're going to be doing. And if they want to like say, well, we have this guest on, you know, I'll post it on the website and, and if people go to MMAValor.com, you can click on the, um, up the tab at the top for the, MMA Valor Radio Network, and it's got all their shows. It's got their logos, what their shows are about, what time they come on, and then you click on their logo, and it'll actually take them to their own page, which will have their logo, any articles that were written um, regarding that show, and then obviously it'll have the blog talk uh, radio player that can listen to all the archives. Nice. So you're building a, a solid stable, man. I, def- I I read it because you know I get I get the newsletter. So um, I read it, and I'm like, look at this. Look You're at the this only one that standing. reads it, huh? <laughs> well, you know what's funny? The, the, the funny thing about the, the, newsletter, it, the newsletter concept that I had been on the fence about doing it for, for MTR is that you really have to go out of your way to give newsletter audiences exclusive content. Like, you've got to right. give them an incentive to read it. And Marvel does a really good job of that. Like, Marvel does the Marvel Pulse and they send that out every Wednesday. So you know every Wednesday you're getting a newsletter with something exclusive that they haven't put on the site or they haven't talked about on Twitter. So it's it, it's a sketchy medium, dude, but I do I do read your <laughs> I do read the newsletters. Yeah, you I so now I know that one click every week is you. Yes, sir. <laughs> that is me. And um I just got word that Steve from Unveil is here, so let me bring him in and we can formally make this announcement. All right. Steve, what's going on, brother? Hey, Rich. How you doing, man? Thanks for having me on. I'm good, man. I uh, just wanted to make sure to have all, all the players here for this announcement. Obviously, uh, Middle Easy couldn't join us, but uh, at least having both of you here, we can uh, we we can make this announcement formally, and also I'll be publishing it on the site, so I want to make sure you guys are here for that as well. And um, basically... I've told many of the listeners for the last couple of weeks that we were working on a community gaming event unlike any other event out there, which was where it wasn't a matter of promoting ourselves but about doing something for a good cause. And, um, you know, obviously this month is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. I lost my mother to breast cancer. So I decided to, to put my money where my mouth is and do something good instead of, you know, bitching all the time and, um, as such, I, you know, I, I spoke to Josh and I also spoke to Stephen and to Jason from Middle Easy, and we decided to do something that not only can cater to our gaming audience but can also cater to the MMA demographic as well and build our respective communities. And we've titled it Brawling for Boobies. It's going to be a five-day gaming event um, on Xbox Live, and it's going to be... MMA games, regular fighting games, and our friend from Unveil, Steven, is actually going to bring in some gaming talent to compete against some of our listeners and our fans to not only build money, well, not only raise money for awareness, but just build our communities as a whole. And with that, I'll throw it to Steve first. Um, what do you What do you got to add to it and you know, who, who's coming on board? I know you're getting involved as well. Uh yeah, Rich. I'll definitely be uh I'll be on probably every night during the community event. Uh, I definitely 
definitely something that we're really excited for. And I know that, you know, when we spoke about it originally, it was something that we, we really wanted to get into. Uh, we wanted to bring a couple guys down. Uh, right now we still got a, we got a few guys coming on the, uh, on the list late. Uh, we have, uh, Noel Brown that we had on the show a couple, uh, couple weeks ago and, and he'll be joining us for the Marvel vs. Capcom uh, portion of it. And, uh, I know is right now, uh, Rob Ski, which we've had on the show before too, um, he'll be joining us for third strike. And I'll just be in there catering to a couple of games here and there as, as much as we can. And, uh, you know, we're just hoping to have a really great time and, uh, support a, gr- a really amazing cause that, you know, it, it, that really helps out. So, you know, we're just be, we're just really happy to be a, gl- uh, a part of everything. Yeah, I am. I'm glad to have you on board, not only because of, of our partnerships, but also because we both were on the same page with that. Um, Josh is joining us not only from the MMA side of things, but Josh actually helped design the, well, he built the logo at you know with with some direction from me he put his artistic talents in there and um you know Josh also is 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 huge into building community so he's going to be involved uh helping us promote the event and you know putting it out there for the uh, for the masses and if he can get his hands on an Xbox or get to an Xbox you never know he may show <laughs> up on there and school some of us too <laughs> I I doubt I doubt that'll happen I doubt I'll be schooling anybody in uh, in fighting <laughs> games. I'm, I'm like the worst. <laughs> hey, it doesn't. It doesn't. At least your involvement helps helps us just raise awareness for it. Um, in speaking with you, we had devised that our goal was to raise a thousand dollars, and I'm telling you guys right now that are listening, a thousand dollars is the fucking minimum. The minimum. Yes. If you got mothers, sisters, female friends. If you love watching titty porn, then you need to put, you need to be involved. Seriously, uh, as, as as shitty as that sounds, as foolish as it is, it, it, everybody everybody's been affected by it. Not just myself, but countless others. They've lost mothers, wives, Definitely. sisters, nieces, and the only thing that we're asking is that if you're going to play, you donate something. It could be as little as five bucks to up to whatever you want. And just make sure you put your gamer tags in when when the page goes live this evening, and we're just looking to have a good time. And I wanted to announce it with both Stephen and with Josh, not only because I know them off air, but because they're the the kind of guys that we align ourselves with. They, these are the guys that are in the trenches, busting their ass to build their to build their brand, you know, to to build communities that aren't like the norm. So I, I, I'm honored to have them involved, not not just because I know them, but because they can bring something different to the table. Thank you very much, Rich. Yeah, I'm, so, I'm, I'm definitely happy to be aboard. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so, same here. We're very excited to be aboard for this event. Well, with that said, let's just break down what the titles are going to be. Um, Monday, October 24th, it's going to be Mortal Kombat or Mortal Monday. Tuesday, we're going to get into some EA MMA. We may even have some live streaming on behalf from, from our friends at Middle Easy. Wednesday, we're playing Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Thursday, we may do EA MMA and UFC Undisputed, or maybe just UFC Undisputed. Either way, there will be some MMA in there Tuesday and Thursday. On the 28th, we're going to do the home stretch. We're going to have Super Street Fighter 4 Arcade Edition and Street Fighter 3 Third Strike Online. 
gameplay for all of these games is going to start at 9 p.m. Eastern, and we're probably going to do it till about 11, 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock, the latest. Um, if you are going to play, make sure you donate. We will put all the stuff in the post that will be live this evening with the URL and how it how it's all going to be laid out. But those are the games that are going to be played. And make sure to put it in your calendar. Get whatever games you want to get in there. And if you want to play against uh, known you know known pro players for Marvel vs. Capcom three or Street Fighter three Third Strike, courtesy of our buddies at Unveil or some MMA you know from our buddies at Middle Easy, make sure to follow our Twitter feeds, and make sure to add, um, I'll, I'll give my gamer tag out, fuck it, make sure to add Akuma25, A-K-U-M-A, the number 25, on Xbox Live. Uh, if Steven's going to give out his gamer tag, he'll let me know, and we'll put it in the announcement. If not, you know, we'll start the rooms for each game at 9 o'clock, and you're welcome to join in and make sure you put your gamer tag in your donation so we know it was you. That's it. Anything else you want to add, guys? No. I mean, I'll, I'll be promoting on the site. I've already changed the logo on the site for the breast cancer awareness, and, and I'll be doing you know my part over social media to get everyone over there. Sounds good. Anything you want to add, Stephen? Uh, no, just uh, we have a couple of guys that, uh, that really want to come down for the event that might be a little on the side, so I'll let you know if anything changes along the way. Sounds good, guys. Well, I thank you both for taking time out to come and announce this with us, and um, it's going to be a great week. Definitely. Thank you for having us on. All right, brother. Later All on, right, Steve. I'll see you around, Josh. See ya. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. Brawling for Boobies, October 24th, 25th, 26th, 27th, and 28th. All proceeds from the event will go to the Susan Coleman Charity for Breast Cancer Awareness. This is courtesy of MTR, Unveil, Middle Easy, and MMA Valor. Your only requirements are enter your Xbox name with your donation so that way we can put names to faces. Donate what you can, as little as you can, to as much as you can, but do something. Do something for a good cause. But not only that, join a community that actually wants to do not just shameless self-promotion because anybody can do that. I can come out here and talk all this shit about how great we are or how, to, how great Unveil is or how great MMA Valor is. But we know what we can do. We know the potential we have. All we want to do is build our communities for a good cause. And I know that – I know De Silva said that MMA Gospel will help promote as well, which is great. You know, MMA Gospel, I love those guys. I had been meaning to go in there because they have now changed their schedule to Thursdays at 8.30 Eastern Standard Time. So they'll be on right before us. So you can check out MMA Gospel at 8.30 on Thursdays. But I didn't get a chance to do it because I've been dealing with some hardware issues, which I'll tell you guys about later on in, in the broadcast. Regardless of the fact, I am this, – this is very personal to me and my personal feelings aside – I, I want to bring these communities together. We cover four diverse topics on this show. Our audience is very split. We got our MMA guys who don't like listen, who don't like the wrestling stuff. We got the wrestling guys that don't like the MMA stuff. We got the gamers that don't like anything that involves physicality. And I'm not even knocking the gamers, but they usually give me shit about wrestling and mixed martial arts. So 
this is a way to bring all these audiences together under one umbrella for a good cause, not only for myself, but for MMA, for MMA Valor, for Unveil, and for Middle Easy as well. Get to know each other. Get to learn about how things on the MMA side of the, of the world work or how things in the gaming world work. That's all it is, community building and charity. And if you want to help us promote the event on Twitter, please use the following hashtags. Uh, hashtag one, B4B2K11. The other one, KO, breast cancer. All together, pound sign, KO, breast cancer. All together, do not separate it. If you're not sure how to do a hashtag, it has to be all together, like one giant word. Because I know a couple of people just haven't mastered the hashtag thing yet, but you got to use B4B2K11 and KO Breast Cancer as your hashtags to promote the event on social media sites like Twitter. On Facebook, of course, we'll be promoting it on our Facebook fan page. Some of our staff have already changed their profile pictures on Facebook to, to one or two of our logos. Slick, my fiance Andrea, have already changed their logos. Uh, their profile pictures to reflect the logo for this event. And that's it, guys. That's that's the big announcement. We are doing a community event unlike anything else that's been done with uh, two diverse groups of, of, of fans that we hope to bring together for the greater good. All right. Let me jump back into this MMA stuff to wrap things up. The announcement for Brawling for Boobies as well as the page itself through Susan Coleman will be going live shortly after the show is over. There will be URLs and, and things of that nature outlining what you need to do. They'll be in detail in the post that will be stickied on the site. Even though the event ends on the 28th, we will leave the page open for the duration of the month of October for people to donate whatever they can. Like I said, our target goal is $1,000, but I know for damn sure we can do a lot more than that. So put your money where your mouths are. See if you can hang with some of the pros. If you're as good as you say you are on Marvel vs. Capcom 3, prove it. Come in there and play play a guy like Noel Brown, who uh, has defeated guys like Justin Wong, placed fifth in a tournament in, in the most recent tournament in, in the Evo tournament. Come in, show show your skills, all for a good cause. All right. I'm not going to shamelessly beat this event into the ground because otherwise people are going to tune out. But like I said, be on the lookout for the, for the announcement later on this evening and the Brawling for Boobies page that will go live after this show is over. All right, let's jump back into the MMA news. This weekend, UFC 136, Frankie Edgar, Gray Maynard for the lightweight title is your main event. Jose Aldo and Kenny Florian for the featherweight title is your co-main event. My boy, Chael Sonnen, taking on Brian Stan. Melvin Gillard is taking on Joe Lazan. Leonard Garcia and Nam Fan open the fights up on pay-per-view. On the prelim side of things, on Spike TV, you got Damian Maya and Jorge Santiago and Showtime Anthony Pettis against Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens. On the prelims, which you can watch on Facebook, you got Joey Beltran and Stike Neosik, who was a guest on MMA Gospel not too long ago. Darren Elkins and uh, Tequan Zhang. Eric Schaefer and Aaron Simpson and Steve Cantwell and Mike Masenzio are on your prelims, which you can watch on Facebook. Speaking of Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo, I always fuck that up. He's discussed the possibility of moving up to the 145-pound 
actually from moving into the 155 division from the 145, primarily because of the weight cut and how difficult it is and just the effects it has on, on the human body are motivators for that. We'll see what happens this weekend if after defeating Florian he decides to move up to 155 and vacates the belt. It should be interesting to see where it goes from there. I think Aldo at 155 would be serious business and poses a threat to anybody that comes into the 155 division. He's exciting. He's got excellent striking. And he's just a good face for the division, especially to capture the Brazilian audience. So be on the lookout for that shortly after this fight this weekend. We'll find out if Jose Aldo is going to make the move to 155. Some bonuses were handed out for UFC on versus. Knockout of the night went to Anthony Rumble Johnson. He got $65,000. Submission of the night went to Stefan Struve, $65,000. Fight of the night was Matt Danzig and Matt Wyman. All these guys deserve those bonuses because all of them were, were justified 110%. Of course, fight week means Dana White is going to start dropping knowledge on us. First bit of knowledge he put out there is that Strikeforce lightweight champion Gilbert Melendez is on his way to the UFC ASAP. Although he didn't give official news on when he'll make his debut, he did mention the possibility of an immediate title shot for the UFC lightweight title from the, the victor of Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard's fight this weekend. I honestly think that Gilbert Melendez coming into the UFC is what I really would like to call the nail in the coffin for Strikeforce. Uh, when you start pilfering their champions just like nothing, it's it's not good for the promotion. I think that Showtime may just dissolve this partnership sooner rather than later, as soon as the opportunity presents itself, only because, let's be honest, the UFC, their whole their sole purpose was to get the best talent out of Strikeforce that they can and shutter that promotion. What happens to women's MMA, who knows? I personally think that there's a home for women's MMA in Strikeforce. If they want to do that, great. If not, we're going to have to just accept it that there'll probably be only be women's fights on Bellator and some of the other promotion, smaller shows as well. But we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. Now, this kind of falls into MMA territory, but it's also wrestling territory as well, and that's our friend Kurt Angle, our Olympic gold medalist. Now, Kurt Angle's been all over the web on Twitter talking about fighting for the UFC and how he almost got in there and how he almost was going to fight Kimbo Slice, blah, blah, blah. He was scheduled to fight Kimbo Slice on pay-per-view. Dana White clarified all that this week by giving us some details into Kurt Angle's possible entry into the UFC during that period. When asked about Kurt joining the UFC, he said, I like Kurt Angle. He's a nice guy. I've never had any problems with Kurt. Good guy. Kurt Angle was calling me to fight in the UFC. He wanted to fight in the UFC badly. He wanted to come over and whatever, especially after Brock got in. When asked what was offered to Kurt, Dana White said, I offered him to come on the Ultimate Fighter the same season that Kimbo was on. I was going to put him in the Ultimate Fighter. He wanted to do it. We worked out a deal, but he didn't pass the medicals. When asked about Kurt Angle's claim about fighting Kimbo Slice on pay-per-view, he puts, I never set up a pay-per-view fight for him. I never told him you're fighting Kimbo Slice on pay-per-view. Kurt, you're a good guy, but that's not true, and that never happened. I never thought 
I thought it would be interesting and I thought it would be cool, but never once did I say we're going to set up a pay-per-view match with you and Kimbo. That is not true. You know, the sad thing about this is that Kurt Angle probably would have done exceptionally well in the UFC, but neck injuries, uh, painkiller, uh, substance abuse problems with painkillers, etc. I think definitely put the crimp on the possibility of Kurt Angle being in the UFC. But I will tell you this, had the UFC been as popular then as it is now, I think Kurt Angle would have taken a different path and would have ended up in the UFC and not wrestling for WWE. So, Sad to say, but I think Dana White is 100% right on this, and Kurt is just talking a little shit. In some Ultimate Fighter news, the UFC announced today that the coaches for the Ultimate Fighter Season 14, Michael Bisping and Jason Miller, will be fighting in a five-round non-title fight. The coaches fight during the UFC 14, uh, the Ultimate Fighter 14 finale, which is scheduled for December 3rd at the Pearl of the Palms Casino in Vegas. That's going to air on Spike TV. UFC 141 is also starting to come together with some fights thus far. Of course, the main event, Brock Lesnar and Alistair Overeem, John Fitch and Johnny Hendricks, Alexander Gustafsson and Vladimir Matushenko, and recently added Dong Yen Kim and Sean Pearson were added. To close out the MMA news this week, I wanted to share another bit of knowledge from our buddy Dana White regarding a fourth fight between Frankie Edgar and Gray Maynard he ended up putting the kibosh on that by stating the following. Let's put it behind us. This division is stacked with tons of talent, and there's a lot of good fights to make at 155. I'm sure both of these guys will want to move on and get back to business. Can't disagree there. Personally, while their fights have been exciting, I would like to see something different. There is a ton of talent at 155, and while I like Maynard and I like Edgar, I just three times is enough. Simple as that. I'm going to take a commercial break. When we get back, we're going to talk some wrestling. we got Hell in the Cell. We're going to talk about Raw and a couple of other things right after this. What do we sound tonight, even? Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what... What are we doing tonight, tumbling with Tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m., blogtalkradio.com, Eastern Standard Time? Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, let's talk some wrestling. The World Wrestling Federation, for over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. Let's talk about the shit show that was WWE Hell in the Cell. They opened up things with Sheamus and Christian, which was actually a solid opener, very enjoyable. I'm not going to go crazy with these match recaps because you guys already know what happened. Uh, Sin Cara versus Sin Cara was, was great. I thought that there was a ton of botches. There were a ton of them. They were hidden well, but you can see that there's still chemistry issues from either... Uh, Black Mass Sincara or from regular Sincara, there was definitely a lot of miscommunication, but the match was enjoyable. I wouldn't say it was a complete clusterfuck, but it was it was solid. It wasn't great, though, but it was solid. The tag team match with Kingston and Bourne against Ziggler and Swagger, uh, put together at the last minute, I felt, but the chemistry was there. Uh, I really was shocked that they ended up 
ending the match with Evan Bourne using a top rope Hurricanrana instead of uh, a Hurricanrana instead of a, uh, a shooting star press. But you take you take what you can. Mark Henry's Hell in the Cell performance against Randy Orton was exceptional, only because I felt that. Mark Henry needs to remain champion. If you want to book this guy as the baddest motherfucker in the WWE, he needs to keep the belt. I really don't need fucking Blandy Borton to get the fucking belt. I like I like him. He you know, Randy Orton is cool, but he's a bland, boring motherfucker, hence Blandy Borton. He really is. He just comes out in his fucking maniacal I'm gonna talk slow and over enunciate everything I talk. Oh, get the fuck out of here. I can't. I can't hear his plotting fucking bullshit promos. I'm sorry. I can't. Keep that shit to yourself. Mark Henry, solid with the belt. He's starting to erase that that, that terrible, terrible span, uh, span of just awful booking, and he's becoming a legit threat. I'm happy for it. And I think that keeping the belt on him at least for, for another month or two would be really good to, to build up somebody who will pose a, a good challenge to him. They went with an impromptu intercontinental title match with Cody Rhodes and John Morrison with Cody Rhodes bringing back the white leather intercontinental belt. Nice trip down memory lane for that. John Morrison continues to get jobbed out. Cody Rhodes secured the victory. Get this with a roll up. That's how it, that, that's what it's come down to for you, John Morrison. You went from being one of the most talented guys on the roster to just being jobber fodder, all because people, you know, people are a little sore about what happened with you and your chick. And that really is what it is. I don't care what anybody says. But this is a guy, him and The Miz pretty much came. Think about this. John Morrison and The Miz, for all intents and purposes, came up together. They were even in the tag team together. The Miz has been champion already. But Morrison has never touched the belt, ever. The guy has the look. He has the mic work. He's, he, you know, he sells merchandise. Hasn't touched gold. Meanwhile, The Miz, who came from the real world, cut his teeth in ECW with the whole Extreme Expose shit, went on to form the new Eminem, or, you know, Miz and Morrison, and went on to a, a great singles career, Meanwhile, John Morrison, who has a more exciting wrestling style, the parkour, the high-flying, never touches gold. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? Divas Championship match. Complete fuckery. Kelly Kelly loses the belt is the only, the only beautiful thing about it. Beth Phoenix winning the belt works. Uh, you need a chick who, who can hang, who can make the, the moves look believable. I'm tired of the... Uh, Kelly Kelly Luthez Press, which is just awful because it's really like, look, here's my box. It's in your face, but we're going to call it a Luthez Press because I jumped four feet over your head, and the only thing that can touch your body is my snatch. That's really what happens. It, it, it's, it's terrible. They, they should just call it the Luthez Box Drop because, honestly, calling it a Luthez Press is just an insult to Luthez. Lastly, main event shenanigans 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 first off let's let's get right to it del rio wins the belt the cell comes down but not before two ma two hooded assailants start beating up everybody inside the cell who were those two hooded assailants you ask 
none other none other than everyone's favorite black guy and white guy duo, the Miz and R Truth, who proceeded to go in there NWO style and attack everybody. At which point the roster clears out, Triple H comes down, he's fucking ape shit. He attacks them, pandemonium, but Del Rio wins the belt. Now, the 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 funny thing about it is you take the belt from Cena, you throw it, you hot shot it onto Del Rio, and yet it's punk that eats the majority of the ass whooping in the match. Now, let's let's think about this. Why didn't you just leave the belt on Punk to begin with? What was the necessity to put it on John Cena and then hot shot it to Del Rio? Del Rio cannot carry a belt on his own. He can't. If he starts feuding with, with Punk, which is what everybody's saying, it's going to be CM Punk carrying the bulk of the promo work for that feud. Del Rio's promo work is lacking, primarily because of his fucking Ricardo Montalban fucking accent. Where I am Alberto Del Rio, but you you already know that. It's like it's like are, are you gonna fucking sell me a, a taco on Junction Boulevard, dude? Like like tighten up that accent a little bit, tighten it up. Eddie Guerrero had an accent, but you barely heard it. And when he did use it, it was within his character confines. Most of the time, Del Rio's cutting a promo, and he's like, "You know, John Cena, I came here to the arena in my twenty-five thousand dollar." Vest with my $20,000 pants and my fancy little car straight from a soap opera set to challenge you for a belt. Jew, John Cena. So let me get this straight. Alberto Del Rio is challenging Jews to challenge John Cena. Because, honestly, that's what it sounds like. I'm challenging Jew to a, to a title match. It's it's like, come on. Come on, man. Where, 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 the, where the fuck is... uh? The little dude, where the fuck is Tattoo at to come out with him, with this with this fucking Ricardo Montalban motherfucker? I'm sorry, but he, he's just not there. He is not there. And this is the guy you want to carry your flagship show? The fuck out of here with that. Fuck out of here. Ugh. All right. Let's just segue right into Raw. And um, John Morrison, yet again, jobbed out to Mark Henry. Randy Orton versus Drew McIntyre. Drew McIntyre jobbed out to Randy Orton. Let's keep moving on. We are selling the angle of the wrestlers being disgruntled with Triple H with all the mid-carders, including David Otunga, who was going to be in the 12-man tag match. I'll get to that shortly. Let's talk about this women's match. Man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Kelly Kelly and Eve Torres versus Beth Phoenix and Natalia. Wow, we've never seen that match before. Needless to say, the match didn't even start because Kelly Kelly went fucking crazy and started smashing Natalia's face, actually Beth Phoenix's face, into the announce table. And Kelly Kelly's screaming like a lunatic that she doesn't care. Um, she's screaming just maniacally, and it just looked weird because you got the big super white Kelly Kelly people. She's just like, ah, I hate you! Ah, ah, I hate you! Ah, I don't care! And it's just like, yo, you're about as believable as being angry as fucking Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs is belie- are believable to being real. Get the fuck out of here, your mock rage. You're, you're fucking terrible. You are terrible, Kelly Kelly. I'm sorry. Look, I don't give a fuck that you got nine pounds of extensions and you wear the shortest shorts known to mankind and you have a million dollar body and a million dollar smile and a million dollar smile but yo 
your acting and your wrestling need fucking work. They need work. And I'm not even trying to sound like a smart or an elitist wrestling fan, but my own my own fiance, my own my own wife, because I've been with her long enough. My own wife watches wrestling. She sees these women's matches and she's like, just fast forward this shit. My own wife tells me to fast forward women's wrestling matches because they're garbage. They are garbage, which is sad because these women they're 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 putting work in. But I'll tell you, like anything else in life, you're either really good at something or you're really not. And I really think that Kelly Kelly's progression needs to accelerate. If you want to have her be the face of your organization, she needs to wrestle better. Trish Stratus started off. She wasn't that great in the ring. Trish Stratus is now a legend because her wrestling improved. Her persona improved. She became a face of the company. She sold. She helped sell merchandise. That's what matters. Lita was kind of sketchy, but Lita was always, you know, the yin to Trish Stratus's yang. So you need that. But if you're going to do that with Kelly Kelly and Beth Phoenix or Kelly Kelly and Natalia, then Kelly Kelly needs to step up her fucking wrestling. Easy as that. Otherwise, keep the bitch off my TV. And let's not even get into Eve Torres. Eve Torres has... She's got a multitude of fucking problems. Shitty wrestling is, is just but one of them. This is a chick who trains Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and you would think she'd find a way to implement it into her wrestling to be more submission-based. No, we're just going to go and do, you know, the booty-popping handspring elbows and, you know, standing fucking moonsaults and all this shit, all sloppy. I just can't. I, I can't. The women's product is, is shit. It's utter dog shit. Going down the list, Santino Morella makes his long-awaited return to take on Jinder Mahal, and Jinder Mahal got clowned out by Santino Morella, so welcome back. Let's close things out with this 12-man tag match. It was what you would expect. One guy's always catching an ass-whooping. All of a sudden, all the guys enter the ring. Multiple finishes get hit, wash, rinse, and repeat. And sure as shit, that's exactly what happened. You had CM Punk, John Cena, Evan Bourne, and Kofi Kingston, a.k.a. Air Boom, with Sheamus and Mason Ryan, or Batista 2.0, against Dolph Ziggler, Cody Rhodes, David Otunga, Jack Swagger, Christian, and Del Rio. And like I said, somebody played the guy in danger. Most of the time it was Bourne, then it went to Kingston. All of a sudden, everything fucking broke down. 900 finishers. It was a fun match easy as that we close things out with triple h coming out to to get a vote of confidence from the wwe roster needless to say it did not go according to the way triple h had planned it ended with the brand with pretty much the entire roster walking out on triple h and showing that they are not behind our chief operating officer and instead would like to see him gone very interesting turn of events with this angle i can only hope that the smart money would be for Triple H to find guys who want to be there and you can start seeing new talent. Because the way I figure it, the easiest way to book it is him coming out and cutting a promo and saying, oh, you guys don't want to be here? You guys don't want to work? Well, I'm going to start bringing guys in that work and want to be here because there are a lot of hungry performers that want to be seen on Monday Night Raw. You can use that as an opportunity to bring in some of the great talent you've had, including, you know, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat's son, Seth Rollins, um... Claudio Castagnoli, 
you got a lot of great talent that can really do well on television with this angle, especially if you sell it as you bringing in guys who want to be here. I think it's a great way to sell the angle, but WWE doesn't do that. Oh, no. This will be forgotten in like two weeks. In some other wrestling news, WWE has announced that they will be doing another three-hour Raw December 12th at the Norfolk Scope Center in Norfolk, Virginia. Our buddy Hulk Hogan's in the news this week. Hulk Hogan had announced that he was retiring from pro wrestling on Impact. That's pretty much how Impact is to me. Needless to say, everybody that was super excited that Hogan was leaving, guess what? He is not. He has re-signed a new deal with TNA. So did Eric Bischoff. So any thought you had of either of these guys not being on your fucking television, you can pretty much erase that. Later on, it gets better. Because it's the only the only great news coming out of Impact this week is that Vince Russo is no longer the head of the TNA creative team. Russo will remain on as a create on the creative team as a senior writer, um, but Bruce Pritchard, who is the head of talent relations, will now head the creative team, which means he will be mapping out the direction of the company for the foreseeable future. We will see if this improves the product or if the product continues to be shit. Let's wait and see. As of right now, with Hogan and Bischoff still being still being involved, I would not doubt it. And the last two bits of wrestling news to wrap things up. Uh, the great Khali's contract is coming to an end, and it's been said that he is not going to re-sign a new one. That's one of the reasons why they did the angle on the injury angle on SmackDown to write him off. I think that this is good for the great Khali. The guy can barely walk out anymore, and his success has been marginal at best. I mean, he's he's been a great ambassador to the Indian community for um, expansion for WWE, but I just think that given the nature of his size and the physicality of the business, the guy's going to end up in a fucking wheelchair. So if he decides to leave, I couldn't blame him. Lastly, somebody got suspended for 30 days. Who, oh, who can it be? It is Derek Young, a.k.a. Chaco Cena from NXT. He was suspended. According to WWE.com's latest post, it reads as follows. In accordance with its talent wellness program, WWE has suspended Fred Rosser, Fred Rosser, uh, cockroach, whatever the fuck you want to call this guy, for 30 days, effective Wednesday, October 5th, for his first violation of the company's wellness policy. So let me get this straight. Chaco Cena, who you don't even see on regular programming, only on NXT, is out for 30 days for wellness. I'm surprised he hasn't been given the boot just because nobody gives a fuck about him. But see you in 30 days, Chaco Cena. See you in 30 days. That's going to wrap up the wrestling for this week. I'm going to take another commercial break. When we get back, video games and movies right after this. following advertisement is for BornStubbornRadio.com. BornStubborn Radio. We like news. We like current events. But we like the fucked up news. All right, let me stop that because clearly Blog Talk Radio wants to fuck with me today and not play the commercials clearly. I would hit play again, but it's just going to be an insult, not only to myself, but to the fucking listeners. 
This is what I pay Blog Talk Radio $40 a month for, to fuck me over when I need the shit to actually work. Let's see if when I hit this Pac-Man intro, if my computer doesn't catch on fire. Because at this rate, what else can go wrong? God damn it. Fuck you. That intro was dog shit. You know what? Video games. That's your intro. All right. The PlayStation Vita 3G is going to be out very soon. I, 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 I can almost bet that you'll probably see it in January. I know it's not making the December release date, but probably in January, just for, so people can use their hard-earned Christmas money to buy the Vita. But for those of you contemplating getting the 3G Vita, there will be a cap on it. Downloads are going to be limited to 20 megabytes, according to 1UP. This, uh, this size, of course, is probably going to change given the popularity of the system and if the 3G sells at the way it should. Um, I honestly think that the Vita, starting off 20 megs, is fine. I think that it's a good way to start off. My main concern is starting doing, put it like this, and I actually was taking notes. The PlayStation Vita is coming out to erase the stench of failure that the PSP and PSP Go have brought to the gaming community. They've got a lot of great titles. They've got a lot of great hardware behind the launch. But like I've always said, 3G service, great hardware don't mean shit if you don't pull out solid titles to go with it. If you don't put out a strong launch lineup, 3G and beautiful visuals won't mean anything. It's as simple as that. In some other Sony news, it looks like Sony is expanding not only its PSN releases for PSN exclusive games, but now you're going to start getting PS2 games weekly on the PlayStation Network. This is part of its only on PlayStation Network campaign. The company announced that PS2 games will be releasing every Tuesday. The releases for this week were God Hand, Grim Grimoire, Maximo, Odin Sphere, and Ring of Red. That's for this week, for October 4th. PlayStation Plus members are going to get 20% off each title during launch week. In addition, anyone that spends over $60 in October on the PSN will get a $10 credit for November. Um, I would probably get Maximo, which I really liked, Odin Sphere, and God Hand, just because it was fucking preposterously stupid. But solid titles, I think they'll be, they'll be fairly cheap. And if you've got a PSN Plus membership that 20% off will be will be pretty good. In some other Sony news, the PSN Pass is going to be making its return much like it did in Resistance 3, you're going to be seeing it in Uncharted 3 as well. The pass basically comes free with all new games, but if you buy the game used, you will have to play $10 to get the online functionality. Obviously, this is done to generate some revenue for for the for the publisher but it's also being done to combat piracy. Moving on, the Nielsen firm has compiled a list of the most anticipated games for this upcoming holiday season. The list was made by ranking games based on the percentage of gamers that ranked them in their top five most wanted titles. The number one title at the top of the list was Modern Warfare 3, with 27% of those surveyed placing it on their list. Making the list also was Gears of War 3, Madden 2012, 
Assassin's Creed Revelations. In addition to that, Batman Arkham City, Battlefield 3, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, and Dead Island. So those are the, some of the most... So those are the titles that people want to get their hands on the most. Wow, Nintendo 3DS news. Better blow the dust off of that console because I'm sure it's going to be getting some work. Capcom has officially announced today that Resident Evil Revelations for the Nintendo 3DS will be released on February 7th, 2012. Actually, they released that the, the news earlier this week. Um, February 7th, 2012 in North America. GameStop retail stores will be offering a special pre-order bonus with the game, which is a special Resident Evil Revelations 3DS case that's going to have an image, an image that changes in the sunlight. Ooh. Consumers will get their exclusive case when they pick up their retail copy of the game. The game is going to be set between Resident Evil 4 and 5. It's going to follow Jill Valentine and Chris Redfield along with new BSAA members, Parker Luciani, and Jessica Sherawat. That's courtesy from Capcom. February 7th, 2012, Resident Evil on your 3DS. We got some Gears of War news this week. According to Joystick, the first DLC has been announced for Gears of War 3. The price is $10, or it's going to be part of the season pass that you can purchase as well. In that DLC, you're going to get Big Rig Dizzy, the Onyx Guard, and Bernie as well as weapon skins and a new horde mode and new horde mode um, fortifications. The fortifications include a command center that allows players to call in support from snipers, mortars, or a hammer of dawn, a decoy upgrade that can, that can create a fighting onyx guard bot. You're also getting a sentry upgrade that adds a firebolt for more damage, and it's also helpful against berserkers. Lastly, you're going to get a silverback upgrade with rockets and repair cost reduction. So those are your uh, DLC exclusives that you're going to get for 10 bucks, or if you've got the season pass, it'll be part of that pack as well. Final Fantasy 13-2 is slowly picking up steam, and as such, pre-order bonuses are getting put out there. If you pre-order the game from Amazon, you'll be able to get the Omega Boss Battle, which is an exclusive Coliseum battle, which once players beat, Omega will be added to the party. If you pre-order through Best Buy, you're getting a hardcover book, Final Fantasy 13-Episode 1. The book connects the two games together. Lastly, if you pre-order via GameStop, you'll be able to get a new costume for Sarah. The game will be out in North America January 31st. In some other exclusive news, Joystick has announced that Tekken Hybrid will be releasing a limited, di a limited edition. The limited edition package for Tekken Hybrid will include the standard edition, an art book, and the soundtrack. Um, Katsuo Harada also said that you're getting PSN content, and the soundtrack will consist of two discs. As of right now, the, the price has not been finalized, but Amazon is listing the bundle at $59.99, which is $20 over the regular edition. A very interesting stat that I wanted to share with you guys, FIFA 12 is now the largest first week has the largest first week sales of any sports game ever made or any video game in 2011. Gears of War previously held that title but FIFA 12 unexpectedly sold more copies in its first week. Electronic Arts has estimated that FIFA 12 has sold 3.2 million units between September 27th and October 2nd. They have also estimated that FIFA 
12 sales are up approximately 23% from last year's launch. Major Nelson announced something huge this week, and that is the fact that your Xbox, besides being your Netflix hub, your music command center, and your ESPN on-demand area, will now also assume the role of cable box. Simple as that. Cable box, and you'll be getting a couple of exclusive shows and content. As per Major Nelson, these are some of the networks you will be seeing. The list that he put out lists networks for our international audiences as well, so I'm going to go through it. ABC iView in Australia. Allocine for France, Germany, Spain, and the UK. Antena 3 or Antenna 3 for Spain. Astro Media's Disney XD for Canada. AT&T U-verse probably in the U.S. because it has asterisks. BBC in the U.K., Blinkbox in the UK, Bravo in the US, B Sky B for the UK audience, uh, Canal Plus or Canal Plus for France and Spain, Channel 4 for the UK, Channel 5 for the UK, Cinema Now offered via Best Buy will be available in the US, Comcast will be, av- will be available as well, Crackle will be available for Australia, Canada, the UK, and the US. Daily Motion is going to be available in 32 markets. Epix is going to be available in the U.S. ESPN is already available. So is Facebook. Foxtel for Australia. Gold TV for Spain. HBO Go for the U.S. Great. Now I can watch The Wire on my Xbox along with uh, Game of Thrones and True Blood. All good in my book. Hulu for Japan. Hulu Plus for the U.S. iHeartRadio via Clear Channel. Last FM. Love Film for Germany and the UK, Manga Entertainment for the US. Oh yeah, Strider, props to Strider for reminding me about Generation Kill. Uh, Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment slash Real Sports for Canada, Media Set for Italy, MSN is going to go for to Canada, France, Germany, Italy, Japan, Mexico, Spain, and the UK. Muzu TV, Netflix for Canada, Rogers on Demand for Canada, RTVE for Spain, Wow, SBS On Demand in Australia, Sci-Fi Channel for the U.S., Telefonica and Televisa, uh, Telefonica for Spain and Televisa for Mexico, The Today Show for the U.S. Way to go. We want to watch middle-aged, drunk white women drink themselves into a stupor at the start of the fucking show. Oh, yeah, that's going to be great for your Xbox audience, guys. Tell us for Canada, TMZ, Twitter, the UFC Network. Nice. Verizon Fios, Vivo, uh, Vimplecom, Vodafone Portugal, YouTube, which is already available, ZDF in Germany, and Zune. Most of the stuff is already available on Xbox Live, including uh, Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, Netflix, but some of those other networks will be launched in the coming weeks, probably for the November up- update as well. Sadly, to Silva, no, there is no HDNet, but since you are in Canada, you'll get to watch the score and um, Rogers on Demand. So you got a couple of things. The Silver Crackle. Canada has a couple of things. Disney XD, I, I doubt you give two shits about it, but it's it's there. Canada's getting a couple of really great programs. Um, the only thing that I'm, I'm kind of su- surprised is that they didn't do a TMZ rollout for Canada because last time I checked, 
I think Canadians give a fuck about entertainment sleaze as well, but it is what it is. You guys got Netflix. You guys are getting the UFC network, which is all that matters. I'm sure De Silva is all good with uh, UFC network on his Xbox. I think that this is going to be the evolution of the medium. You're going to be able to purchase your channels a la carte. Because honestly, I pay $200 for Fios. I have all the channels. I have, I believe it's 35.15 or 35.25 as my speed. Um, DVR on demand, 35.35. Thank you, Slick. Slick always has those details. And 200 bucks, it's great. It's not super expensive. It's a lot cheaper than Time Warner. Those guys suck. Um, but I really feel that if I went through my guide, I could probably tell you that I watch... Out of all the channels I have, I'd say I watch 20 channels. All the premiums, clearly. Uh, Spike, Sci-Fi, the broadcast channels, the USA Network, Fear.net. Yeah, definitely Fear.net. Um, occasionally MTV. I do watch Versus. Uh, Epics I watch. So I'd like to say at least 20 programs. I think that... Um, Having the the opportunity to pick and choose what programs you want will eliminate a lot of unnecessary clutter in your guide. Because by the time you scroll through a guide looking through some of your programming, you want to blow your brains out. You got 17 types of MTV. You got MTV One, MTV Two, MTV West Coast. Nobody needs all the all those fucking channels. I'll be 100% honest. I don't. I pick and choose and cut out a lot of unnecessary shit. I'd honestly tell you, and I'm Hispanic, I would cut off every Spanish channel on my fucking cable box because I don't watch any of that shit. I don't watch Telemundo. I don't watch Univision. Yeah, you know, the girls are walking around scantily clad, but I don't watch any of that shit. I would cut it the fuck out. Even WAPA handle. Even WAPA. Now, before I get into this next bit of movie, uh, video game news, movie news, ugh, I got I to gotta rant a little bit. I've realized that every game that's been released in some shape, way, or form, or at least a majority of them, involves zombies somehow. Always fucking zombies. Oh, your game isn't that cool anymore? Add fucking zombies. Oh, you want to do something different for DLC? Add fucking zombies. Oh, you want to reach another audience? Add zombies. This leads me to a franchise that really doesn't need fucking zombies. And that, my friends, is the Yakuza franchise. Yakuza of the End is coming to North America. It's going to be called Yakuza Dead Souls. It's coming out in March, and instead of taking on other mobs, players will be taking on legions of zombies with various weapons. Ugh. Why? The whole point of playing Yakuza is to take on, I don't know, the Yakuza? What the fuck, man? No, let's take on Japanese zombies. Because cause that's, that's what we do. That's what we do. We, we cram zombies into everything. What are you going to do? do? Open the panty vending machi machine in Shinjuku and fucking throw the panties at the zombies? Maybe I want to go into the vending machine that squirts out breast milk because shit in Japan is just that fucked up. Seriously. That's what happens. Ugh. And for a game that doesn't need it, which is the worst part. Moving on. 
EA announced earlier today that Need for Speed The Run, a.k.a. Fast and Furious The Game, will be getting a demo on October 18th. The demo is going to allow players to use the Lamborghini Colorado LP550, and also you're going to get a Porsche 911 Carrera S. Need for Speed The Run will be released November 15th in North America, November 17th in Europe, and you'll be able to play it on the 360, PS3, PC, Wii, and Nintendo 3DS. You're making this fucking game for the Wii? Holy shit, do you guys want to make dust collectors? Nobody's buying that shit. Get out of here. And if we got to talk about Need for Speed, we got to talk about Gran Turismo as well. Gran Turismo 5 will be getting some DLC content. The PlayStation blog announced that a new update will let players have interior views of all their cars, reduce load times, give adjustable weather conditions, save during a long race, and update photo and shuffle modes. In addition to that, the patch is going to add support for the Logitech G25 and G27 racing wheels and adds versions of the 2011 NASCAR racing cars. Lastly, you're going to get a full batch of downloadable content available in the coming weeks, including new vehicles, new tracks, and some additional surprises. Last but not least, they will be dropping the price of the game to $39.99. The last bit of gaming news involves actually Windows phones and Xbox 360. It was announced today that Windows phones will be getting a companion app, which will let users browse the Xbox Live marketplace on their phones and then play the content on their 360s. Video playback and menu navigation are just two of the functions that the app will have, and it will be free for Windows subscribers. All right. I would take a commercial break, and I'm going to try it again. And if I rage, I'm going to stop and go into the movies. So let's try this commercial again. The following advertisement... It's for Vaughn Stubborn Radio, dog. Nope, sounds like dog shit. I know you guys in the chat hear it clearly, but guess what? I hear it in my headphones. It sounds like fish dying. And not only that, but since I'm actually recording the show while I'm broadcasting so I can edit it for you guys, it's going to sound like dog shit. So let's just try and possibly play the movie intro for this week. How about that? Can that work? Possibly? Maybe? It wasn't 100% good, but you know what? I'll probably have to edit that shit in post. <sighs> I swear, Blog Talk Radio, if I had a rocket launcher that can just home in on your fucking building, I would level the fuck out of it. All right. Movie news. WWE Studios, we got to love these guys because they're genuinely a studio, is looking for a screenwriter to put together a script for The Marine 3. I kid you not. The Marine 3. The plan is for another WWE star to play the lead in the film, similar to John Cena in Marine 1 and Ted DiBiase in The Marine 2. The company is also looking for film ideas to play CM Punk into. As of right now, they plan to do a lot with Punk, including a book, possibly a movie, 
and he will be in a lot of more prominent roles moving forward. I don't mind that you want to do shit with CM Punk. What I do mind is another fucking Marine movie. The first Marine film was a you know standard popcorn fare. It was amusing. It was what it was. Ted DiBiase and the Marine 2 was complete dog shit. Why do we need another Marine? Why? I'd rather watch a sequel to See No Evil with Kane. That shit was good. Why are you going to do a sequel to the Marine? Horseshit, I tell you. Horseshit. And you know what they'll do? They'll make the Marine like Cody Rhodes. They'll take the, like, the, the guy who's the least looking, that has the least uh, look of a Marine to play a Marine. It'll be either Cody Rhodes or Yoshitatsu. Why don't you just get Santino Morella as your new Marine? And he does the fucking Cobra in the movie. Ugh. Terrible. Terrible. Now, the next, bit of, the next bit of movie news I wanted to discuss is, is two things. Number one, it goes back to something I talked about a couple of months back. Number two, it's something totally unexpected. It involves Idris Elba. I talked about Idris Elba a couple of months back because of his role in Thor as Heimdall. Now, the reason why I'm mentioning it is because when he was cast as Heimdall, there was a lot of negative press, especially from those that were purists and closet racists, because they had issue with a black man playing a Norse god. Okay. So the last couple of weeks, there's been a rumor that they wanted Idris Elba to eventually replace Daniel Craig as James Bond. Now, before I get into the statement he made, I'll tell you what happened. I went into a movie forum this week, just wandering, you know, checking shit out, looking for material for the show. And this particular news bit was in there. And there was a guy that posted, and, and people elaborated on this. The guy writes, and I quote, let me, he goes, let me get this straight. We go from a, from a Scott to a Mick to, to a, from a Scott to a Mick to an Englishman as it should be to a coon. I kid you not. This guy dropped the C word. I was like, I was like, wow. I was dumbfounded that this guy dropped it in there. And, of course, people are like, hey, man, you know, you don't got to put that shit out there like that. You know, it's 007 is 007. I've read countless 007 books. It doesn't matter whether 007 is black or 007 is white. James Bond is James Bond. The name has no color. It's not like you said, you know, his name was Ramel Bond or something. Then you'd be like, all right, maybe, 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 maybe he should be black. No, his name is James Bond, period. There's no... There's no racial there's no racial red flag in that name. So if you want to get a black guy to play him, what's the big deal? I just felt that in reading that and and the if I can find the link, I, I probably have it sa- saved in my office. But I just I just felt that that racial bias at this stage in the game is bullshit. It's bullshit. Why why should there be issues about you about James Bond being black? It's absurd. And I see that Slick is on line one. I'm sure he has wisdom to impart on us with regards to this. Slick, what do you got, brother? I didn't realize an Englishman implied white man. Yep. Apparently there are no black people in in the UK now? 
Dude, I, I just don't understand. We talked about this, and you called in when I discussed this with him playing Heimdall. It's like, what the fuck is the big deal if James Bond is black? All I give a fuck about is that the actor can actually do a good job and that the plot isn't complete dog shit. Why would you do that? Why would you say, I like my James Bond to be English, not black? Is the Aston Martin going to have spinners on it? That was another, another quote I saw. I'm like, seriously? Is Megan Good going to be a Bond girl? Dude, this is the kind of shit I saw in this thread. And I'm going to see if I find it at work so you guys can, can laugh at some of the shit. But it was, I, I, was, I was horrified. I was horrified that keyboard warriors can be so outright with their racism. It's insane. Well, it's the only time they can be outright with their racism. Would you give a shit if James Bond was black? Like I said, last time I checked, there are black people in the U.K., no, but I just mean I just mean from a character standpoint. If somebody came and said to you, "Hey, man, James Bond is black," would you give a shit? No, because I've go. never read anything that said he had to be white. It's it, it's crazy. You're you're coming off a little muffled. Are you Bluetooth or house phone? Bluetooth, my fault. Yeah, you're a little you're a little garbled. That was far away from the phone. Is it better now? I I didn't hear shit. <laughs> you want to call back? Give me one second. All right. All right, so Slick is going to call back. Anyway, let me just tell you guys what Idris Elba said with regards to that. When asked about him playing 007, he said it's a very old rumor. I would do it, but I don't want to be called the first black James Bond. Do you understand what I'm saying? Sean Connery wasn't the Scottish James Bond, and Daniel Gray... Daniel Craig wasn't the blue-eyed James Bond, so if I played him, I don't want to be called the black James Bond. He added that if Sony decided to call me and said, hey, we want to do James Bond, I'd definitely consider it. You know what? I don't blame the guy. That's a great opportunity. Bond films make a lot of money, and I think that with the right story, it would do good. It really would. I, I've realized that James Bond is one of those characters that is uh, uh, racially neutral. That, that's all I got to say. He, he's a racially neutral character in my eyes. Because when you read the books, when I read the Ian Fleming books, I read the books based on the persona of James Bond and what it encompassed. I didn't give a shit. I didn't visualize James Bond to be, you know, blonde-haired and blue-eyed. It's, it's, as silly as it is, it goes back to Talladega Nights and Ricky Bobby's interpretation of Jesus. You know, I visualized... Uh, little baby Jesus, or not big Jesus, but little baby Jesus. You know, that whole exchange, that's how it is with James Bond. If if it were me, I'd say James Bond is, is, is English, but he's half Hispanic, and he's kind of tan looking, and looks like he belongs in a telenovela. That, you know what I mean? Like, everybody's going to visualize their character their way in a way that it's easy to relate to. So I can accept the fact that we had a blonde-haired, blue-eyed James Bond. I can accept the fact that we have a black James Bond. Hell, I can even, if it was done right, I would accept an Asian James Bond. That's how it is. I, I feel that the caliber of the actor and the, and the caliber of the story are what dictate whether the film is going to be successful. Not the fucking color of the lead. I could give two shits. 
And Strider, Strider is on fire today. He puts James Bond 00 Negro in the chat today. So Strider gets a gold star for that statement. But that's what it's become. It's become people hiding behind keyboards for racial with their racial bias over characters that nobody's really going to complain about whether they're black or white. It's as simple as that. I'm going to check to see if uh, if Slick got his uh, his situation squared away. Slick, are you there? Yep. Oh, there you go, crystal clear. The um, I, you know, I read I read the statement that Idris Elba put out there, and honestly, I like like I said, I feel that he's uh James Bond's persona is is you know neutral. You know, it's just a name. Doesn't matter what color he is. It doesn't matter what color he is, but to the, unfortunately to a lot of ignorant movie-going idiots, it does matter. Like I said many times, all we have to do is look at last year's programming season on NBC. You have Undercovers, which was a great show starring two black people, and then you have The Cape. Both shows <laughs> got canceled. <laughs> but which show is actually really shitty, and which show is decent? Dude, I watched the cape. Andrea reviewed the cape, and by the time we got towards the last episode, I prayed it would get canceled. I prayed. It got to a point where I said to myself, "Do we need this for the site, or can I can it just go away?" Because that's where it got. Because there's programming sometimes that is that abysmal, that shitty. That you just scratch your head and go, who signed off on this shit? I just, I just want to do, I just want to do a show. I'm gonna pitch this idea to you. I want to do a show about it. it ha, it's gonna be animated like The Simpsons, and it's gonna be about bacteria that lives in your toilet and their adventures in your toilet bowl, and how and how the the, the bacteria has to make sure to protect themselves from the evil splash waterfall that that has taken some of their brothers and sisters. AKA the flesh. The what? I thought that was called Osmosis Jones. Wow. Way to way to dig up another an, another gem in the shit pile. <laughs> An animated shit gem. Ugh. But seriously, that's it it's insane that it's gotten to that point. And while I have you while I have you here I want to share some what-the-fuck movie news with you. Two of them, in, in fact. The first one is another a reboot of the Twilight Zone franchise. But it gets better. Rumored, rumored directors, Christopher Nolan, Michael Bay, and Alfonso Cuaron are on the short list. Variety reports that Nolan is currently the frontrunner but that Rupert Wyatt from Planet from Rise of the Planet of the Apes is also being considered. Now they're saying that it's not going to be like the original that had all the different stories. It's going to have one storyline and one director. Leonardo DiCaprio is producing it. Thoughts? Uh, you better stay away from Michael Bay if you want it to be, you know, anywhere near Twilight Zone worthy. I'd say Christopher Nolan probably would be your best bet. Your audio has completely crapped out yet again. <laughs> what about now? Uh, 
So-so. Well, I'll share I'll share the last bit of movie news with you and and then we'll uh I'll keep it moving. Where the fuck did I put it? Oh yeah. This this is I think Strider may possibly kill himself on air when I read this. IGN reports that Toy Story writers Alex Sokolow and Joel Cohen are currently in negotiations to adapt Farmville to the big screen. <laughs> I have to resist the urge to start crying. Farmville to the big screen. This is what it's come down to, folks. I would have I would have probably let it slide had it had it been Angry Birds. But it's Farmville. I would rather watch the movie of a man with prostate cancer pissing blood on the wall for three hours. Yeah, it's 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 bad, dude. It's bad. Farmville, the movie. Yeah. See, told you I had to share that with you. That's awful. That's worse than real steel. Well, real steel I can tolerate, dude. Real steel is is not the worst shit out there. It's rock and sock and robots. Rock and sock and robots. How do you make a movie yeah, but, out of rock and sock and robots? Yeah, but you know what it is. I've 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 been seeing. Uh, I think Ebert. Is it Ebert? Yeah, Ebert. I think gave it three out of five. So it's not terrible. But this is Ebert. You know, I may go. I may go watch it this weekend and come back and go. Wow, what a steaming pile of mechanical shit this was. But I mean, a couple I mean, it'll of people be a good are, movie for kids, and that's it. Yeah, I've seen a couple of people that I know on Twitter that that have gotten advanced screenings of it. They've gotten to see it, and they've they've said that it's a it's a it's a fun family film, you know, meant to sell toys, but it's a, it's a it's something different. So who knows? We'll see. And I think honestly, uh, they're they're trying to hold on to that to that Transformers audience of you know giant robots fighting each other. Yeah, and these shitty robots actually look better than the Transformers. How sad is that? Yeah, that's a story in and of itself. I noticed the quality of the robots. I saw, I saw a lot of the toys in Target this week, and I was like, wow, the robots look kind of cool looking. Especially like the the purple one with the mohawk. Yeah, they all look like somebody detonated grenades in their fucking chest and faces. No, they do not. Anything else to add, my friend? I'm still stuck on Farmville. Yeah, I'll let you process that. <laughs> let me wrap. Let me wrap this stuff up. All right, man. I'll talk to you later. Peace. All right. Box office totals. Let's let's run through them real quick because this is insane. A Dolphin's Tale or a Dolphin Tale was number one. Moneyball was number two. The Lion King 3D was number three. Fifty Fifty was four. Courageous was five, Dreamhouse was six, Abduction was seven. Wow, people really paid money to go see that. What's Your Number was eight, Contagion was nine, and Killer Elite was ten. As I said, Real Steel is opening this weekend. We will see if it will be number one at the box office. In some other news, Marvel Studios will not be adapting Doctor Strange anytime soon. Instead, they're going to work on a film about the Inhumans. 
In Entertainment Weekly's cover story about the Avengers, Kevin Feige mentioned several different projects, and Strange wasn't among them. He praised the recent script for Ant-Man from Edgar Wright and Joe Cornish, saying the film is still nebulous, but definitely in the works. He also said that films based on the Inhumans and Guardians of the Galaxy are in the work as well. There's an opportunity to do a big space epic, which Thor sort of hints at, in the cosmic side of the Marvel Universe. He says that the Inhumans will be an ensemble film similar to X-Men or the Avengers. Marvel currently has two films scheduled for 2013, Iron Man 3 and Thor 2, and two films for 2014 that have not been determined. I'll tell you guys right now, nobody is going to give a flying fuck about the Inhumans, or much less Guardians of the Galaxy. These guys have always been bit players in a larger, in a larger scale story. It's always been the case. If you want to do a space epic, you got to go Silver Surfer, and you got to use the right Galactus and use the Heralds, and you can do cameos by the Fantastic Four. That's a space epic. You can do an X-Men story based around the Shi'ar Empire and throw in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's a space epic. But to do a movie sold strictly based on the Inhumans or Guardians of the Galaxy is just a recipe for fucking disaster. I honestly just see it sucking Terribly. Ugh. De Silva, you paid money to see abduction. You gave the llama money. I am sad. So, so sad. Moving on. Word going around a lot of Hollywood blogs this week is that Jason Statham is in talks to join the Fast and, <clears throat> the Fast and Furious, uh, Fast, well, Fast 6 and Fast 7. Universal Pictures is looking into filming the movies back-to-back during 2012 in Europe. At this time, nothing is official, but Statham has been approached to join one or both of the films. In looking at it, I wouldn't mind seeing Jason Statham in a Fast and Furious film because you would get to see if he's playing, you know, the, the guy on the run. You can probably get a good Jason Statham versus The Rock or Jason Statham versus... Vin Diesel, if you want to make him the villain. It depends, especially after the ending of Fast Five and the way that's going. I wouldn't mind that one bit. Uh, the Fast and Furious series has become pretty much a cartoon action film to the point where the, the effects are ridiculous, the chases are fun, the plot is passable, and it's an enjoyable 90 minutes. If you want to throw them in there for good measure and make it the expendables of fucking car chase films, have at it. I really have never had a problem with Jason Statham. He pretty much plays the same guy in every movie. If you need a badass, semi-balding English dude who's shirtless at least 60% of the time, no problem. That's your guy. And he's not terrible. I, I don't dislike him as an actor. I just feel he plays the same guy. <laughs> All Englishmen are white. Props to Handel for bringing that back. In some Disney and Pixar news, get this. Hot off the heels of the success of The Lion King, we're going to get 3D re-releases throughout 2012 and 2013. Here are the movies you can expect to see. Beauty and the Beast 3D will be in theaters January 13th, 2012. Disney's Finding Nemo, September 14th, 2012. Disney Pixar's Monsters, Inc., January 18th, 2013. In addition to that, you're going to have Monsters University, which is a prequel 
to Monsters, Inc. That's going to be in digital 3D, June 21st, 2013. The Little Mermaid, September 13th, 2013. So there you go. Now, I didn't get to share this bit of movie news with Slick, but I'm sure he's going to love this. Hollywood is notorious for doing crazy shit. Some of it is questionable. Some of it is downright awful. And some of it just makes you turn your head slightly to the side and go, what the fuck is wrong with these guys? This particular one is, is, is crazy. So a couple of weeks back, I talked about Tower Heist, which is a film coming out with Eddie Murphy and Ben Stiller, Alan Alda, done by Brett, by Brett Ratner. Some people are saying that this is Eddie Murphy's attempt at returning to his comedy roots. I say that it's just a, a really, really bad cast, but who knows? I can be wrong. Universal is going to be releasing Tower Heist on video on demand three weeks after it hits theaters on November 4th. It will cost you $59.99. I kid you not. A movie that's been in theaters three weeks, if you want to watch it at home, will cost you sixty dollars. Sixty. The video on demand release right now has been limited to two markets, Atlanta and Portland, Oregon. According to the LA Times, this is this is the rationale for it. Universal is assuring exhibitors that they will that they will be compensated if Tower Heist ticket sales are lower than expected during the premium video on demand test. Whether studio and exhibition executives can agree on what box office grosses would have been, however, remains to be seen. If cinema owners are angry enough about the strategy, they could threaten to not play Tower Heist in the two test markets when they debut on video on demand or potentially at all. Such a response, if shared by most exhibitors, could even force Universal to alter or cancel its plan. So it still may not happen, but just think about this rationally. You you pay, I don't know. Let let's 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 go New York numbers. The average movie ticket in New York City is ten bucks for a regular showing, not matinee. Ten dollars. If you take a family of four to see a movie, it's sixty bucks. If you buy concessions, say you do a large popcorn and two sodas, which is a standard combo, that's fifteen bucks. So right there. Multiply that by two people, that's $30. So 40 bucks in box office, $30 in concession, you've just spent $70. 70 Let's go into some IMAX territory. When I went to see Transformers in IMAX, it was, 18, it was I think, 1850 So let's round it up. You know, let's go 18, let's go $18 just to keep it fair for myself. Me and my wife go to see it. It's, it's you know, $36, nearly 40 bucks. With concessions, you're going into $70, $80 territory just the same. So because you're sitting at home on your ass and not dealing with the theater crowd, it's going to cost you $60. So because you want to sit at home, your lazy ass tax is going to be pretty much the admission for a family of four or a couple that go to see a film in IMAX. Are you fucking crazy? 
I threw out a lot of math at you guys, but but think about that. It's 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 insane. You want to do something? If you would have told me, yo, we'll drop the movie on demand, thirty bucks. Eh, you know, you split that with a couple of friends. You know, you have a movie night at your crib. Not so bad. Sixty fucking dollars. They're insane. And you know what the worst part is? Some asshole will do it. Will do it. That's the worst part. If you told me, yo, you can watch, I don't know, uh, let's go Transformers Dark of the Moon, still in theaters. You can watch it on your television for $25. I would do it. I would fucking do it. Because you don't have to pay gas to go to the theater. You don't got to spend money on concessions. And... You're spending the equivalent of what a couple would spend. But 60 bucks for a movie that looks like complete dog shit, like Tower Heist? Fuck out of here with that. Delusional. But I figured I would share that with you guys because I know that you guys that are, that are hardcore moviegoers would not drop $60 for that convenience. In some other news, obviously Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 is coming out. Very soon. So Hollywood, in its effort to squeeze every last ounce of blood of this franchise, will actually re-release Twilight, New Moon, and Eclipse in theaters every Tuesday starting November 1st. Not, Not only that, but the screenings will include extra footage and fan footage as well. So basically... You're getting a re-release of each movie with bonus footage and behind-the-scenes clips, but not every screening is going to get the extra footage. So just just let that marinate. And then you're re-releasing all of them leading up to the release of the newest one. Yeah, yeah, sure. Hollywood is totally hard up for money. Totally. Last bit of movie news to close things out. Marvel has announced that the official trailer for The Avengers will be released online Tuesday, October 11th. How convenient, because we will be at Comic-Con that Thursday, and what will they have? An Avengers panel. So be on the lookout on MyTakeRadio.com for The Avengers trailer Tuesday, October 11th. Last bit of news to tie this up nicely. They are rebooting Zorro. Matthew Ferd, uh, Fetterman and Steven, and Steven Saya, who did Human Target, have been hired to draft a script for the reboot of Zorro. Sony Pictures is going to be releasing the films, and they will have no connection to the Mask or the Legend of Zorro series. The reboot of the franchise will be based on the 2005 uh, novel by Isabel Allende, and it's going to be a swashbuckling adventure story. So, Zorro the Reboot. Superhero Hype has reported that Marvel Television is going to be having an exhibition at the New York Comic Con next week. They will be showcasing footage for the animated Ultimate Spider-Man series and the anime versions of X-Men and Blade. Hopefully we'll be able to check that out, and that will be debuting on anime on G4. So we'll see what the deal is with that. Once we get information, we will post it on MyTakeRadio.com. All right, you guys. That's going to wrap up the show for this week. Remember, Brawling for Boobies starts October 24th. The announcement will go live with all the details shortly after the show is over. And um, 
join in if you're a fighting game fan. And even if you don't want to play, just go to the page and donate. You can do that as well. It's not mandatory that you play, but if you do play, please donate. And if you want to donate regardless, you're more than welcome to do that as well. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 110 for Thursday, October 6th, 2011. If you'd like to be a guest on a future episode or have questions or concerns, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. You can follow us on Twitter at mytakeradio. You can follow us on MySpace, mytakeradio on MySpace. You can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash mytakeradio. We are also on Formspring if you have any questions about movies, mixed martial arts, pro wrestling, comics, tech, whatever. We can answer them for you, formspring.me forward slash mytakeradio. You can get MTR to go by getting our app for $1.99, either in the Android or Amazon Marketplace for your Android device, or via iTunes for your iOS devices. Cheaper than a cup of coffee, get MTR to go. Get access to exclusive content, including wallpapers, and our app-exclusive my Take Radio Behind the Mic and My Take Radio Beyond the Mic series. Lastly, you can also listen to MTR via Stitcher. You can go to stitcher.com slash mytake. If you enter mytake as the promo code M-Y-T-A-K-E, you'll be eligible to win a $100 gift card courtesy of Stitcher and My Take Radio. The, uh, the good thing about that, as I've said before, no MP3s, no need to connect to iTunes, Download the Stitcher app, and you can stream the episodes directly to your device. You can also listen to My Take Radio on the Zoom Marketplace, uh, Blueberry, iTunes, Blog Talk Radio, Stitcher, and also, am I missing one? I think that's it, actually. So that's where you can listen to the show. All right, you guys, I will catch you next week. Remember, My Take Radio's episode will be broadcasting Wednesday evening, and just keep an eye on MyTakeRadio.com on Facebook, Twitter, and also on Tumblr. It's mtrextras.tumblr.com, or you can just click the tab on our, my, on our website, and you can see the Tumblr blog as well with a couple of smaller stories that don't make it to the site, but that I like to share with our listeners anyway. Be on the lookout next week for tons of Comic-Con footage, photos, videos, the works. Not only that, but we got some exclusive interviews for our Beyond the Mic series, which I will be announcing next week. That's it, you guys. Thanks for listening. I apologize for any audio issues. We were testing a new mixer, which I've been experiencing problems with for the last three days. Uh, not that great so far, but hopefully we can edit it in post. Until then, I'm out. Peace. Uh, the intro, the outro music for this week, I think, is going to be Satsui no Koto by Zircon and Josh Morse from OC Remix Heroes and Villains official soundtrack. I'm going to play it out here for you guys. If the audio is crappy, I apologize, but we will make sure to give you a clean track for your iTunes and Stitcher downloads. Peace. Oh.